Comics. Movies. Music. Video games. Technology. Blu-ray. Television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. You're listening to the Whedonverse Podcast. A retrospective, spoiler-free podcast where we discuss the movies, series, comics, and games created or inspired by Joss Whedon. With your hosts, Mr. Universe. Number five, do the dance of joy. And the clairvoyant. Well, you're right about this being a bad idea. Also brought to you by the Tangent Bound Network. This episode, we'll discuss Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Season 2, Episode 13, Surprise, and Episode 14, Innocence, with special guest host, One Sick Puppy, from the Dennis Hell Horror Podcast. Slayer, Season 2, Episode 13, Surprise, written by Marty Noxon, directed by Michael Lang, original air date, January 19th, 1998. All right, Episode 13, The Unlucky Number, Surprise, we're back at Whedonverse Podcast, I'm Mr. Universe. I'm the clairvoyant. The clairvoyant. The. The clairvoyant. I'm fancy. <laughs> so we got surprised another Marty Noxon episode. We took a break from her last week, but we're back. <laughs> and speaking of surprises, we have a surprise for you. What would that be? Oh, I thought you knew. <laughs> thought you planned something, I assumed. Uh special surprise is that we forgot to mention last week that it was the first episode of nineteen ninety eight. So last week, we were in 97 for the first few episodes. Last week was the first episode to actually air in 98. So that's your surprise. You're welcome. But uh, this episode in Germany is called Curse of the Gypsies. Because Germany's always good with that. Uh, And we kick it off with a Buffy Nightmare, I'm assuming. Because she turns on the lights. She takes a little sippy of water. She's a... She's going for a walk to the bathroom, I assume, and uh, suddenly, boom, Drusilla's behind her with blood all over her mouth. And she opens the door and walks into the bronze. So clearly a dream. So do you think that this was, like, special effects, like creative camera tricks? Or do you think that the set of Buffy's room is actually connected to the set of the bronze? I had that exact question written down. I think it's connected. I think they happen to be adjacent. Because in future episodes, they do, uh, in dream sequences, make use of that. So I think it's probably just adjacent. Yeah, that's that's so useful for dream sequences and stuff like that. And then uh, Willow's in the bronze. She's talking in French to a little organ grinder monkey. Now, I just want to talk about the song playing. I'd rather listen to anything but this. <laughs> what was the song? I can't even remember. It's called oh. Anything. Oh, and this song is actually written by the Shans. You know, Sean Clement and Sean Murray, who do a lot of the background music, they wrote the song and just got a singer to sing it. 
So this episode is actually the first episode that has all the composers of the season. It's got the Shans and it's got Christoph Beck in it because they wrote that song. Wacky. But uh, yeah, Willow's talking in French to a monkey. She says in French, the hippo stole your pants, which is a mirror of her talk with Oz a few episodes back and also reiterates what he had said, that all monkeys are French. <laughs> which is a fact at this point. <laughs> so since Buffy wasn't actually there when they had that conversation, it confirms that her Slayer dreams are prophetic. <laughs> <laughs> and Buffy, meanwhile, runs into her mother... Who says, are you sure you're really ready? And then, boom, drops a plate and walks away. Yeah, she's holding, like, a cup and saucer. And then drops the in saucer. the bronze. <laughs> so everybody's crazy up in here. And dream sequences can be, like, legitimately hard to do on film because dreams can be so abstract. But that this, like, David Lynchian take on it is pretty close as far as dreams go. Um... I didn't realize this was a dream sequence until just now. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Bobby sees Angel, so she's romantically walking towards him. Romantically walking? Yeah, like runway model. And boom, he's staked by Drew and dusts right in front of her. I'm not counting it. I'm not going to count it. It's a dream death count one. Would that not be another? <laughs> and then Drew says, happy birthday, Buffy. And then boom, she wakes in a cold sweat. What's really weird, I found, is that her outfit is actually different than the one she dreamed she was wearing. I thought one thing that's interesting is, like, in the dream, Angel didn't, like, explode into dust like a vampire usually does. He's kind of, like, crumbled. <laughs> like, yeah, he, like, reached out towards her and his hand's slowly crumbling. It's more dramatic that way. It, yeah, it did make it for a good effect. I like them, like, you know, reaching out to each other and he's slowly crumbling. But uh, then we have the theme song. Blah, 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 blah. And Buffy immediately decides to go visit Topless Angel. Because who wouldn't? <laughs> yeah, I don't blame her. And she tells him all about her dreams. And the makeup people, I notice here, must be just super mad when the script says that Angel's topless. Because then they have to tat him up. They got to draw a tattoo on his back. And like, that can't be simple. It's like gotta be like identical, and it's like detailed. They probably probably have like a tattoo stencil or just like a temporary tattoo that they can put on them. Yeah, because well, like I'm sure they're glad they get paid for the day, but. And it's I'm sure it's easier than all the other stuff they do on this show. Yeah, but uh, Angel's not worried. He's like, not all your dreams come true. He's like, what else did you dream? And well, I dreamed that me and Giles opened up an office supply warehouse in Vegas. Which, which is a callback to a comic that you reviewed, Clairvoyant. No, it's not. <laughs> I was going to joke that it was a spoiler for an upcoming episode, but that's also not true. But uh, she's worried that Drew is alive. Because they didn't see her body. Which, spoiler, vampires don't leave bodies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you got no reasoning here, Buffy. And she goes to protest further, but Angel kisses her. And it's the first appearance of their actual love song. Close your, close your eyes, is it called? Yeah, close your eyes, and like Christoph Beck. Beautiful and, song. I know we always say beautiful song, like Christoph Beck, but really, I mean this is This is one of the, like, this is the iconic one. This is the one that, if if you have, like, watched Buffy before, 
And then you like go and you're like, what song are they talking about? And you Google, close your eyes, and you don't immediately recognize it. You weren't paying close enough attention. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a great, just and, uplifting I mean, song. It's not only is it such a you know, such a beautiful piece of music. It's especially like from this episode on, from its first appearance, it's just hammered into your skull every time Buffy and Angel are on screen together. So yeah, but uh, she's distracted by the kiss. She's like, "Were we talking?" And they make out a little, but she has to go to school. And Angel doesn't let her. Instead, they make out some more. And they keep saying, like, "Oh, oh, I know." And, yeah. then, and then she goes to leave, and they uh, they make out again. <laughs> and Angel's like, "Oh, but you have to go to school." And she's like, "I know." And then they kiss again. And <laughs> and this is actually young relationships right here, legitimately. Like I'm like, yeah, I can relate to that, unfortunately. And kissing David Boreanaz? Well, all the time. Like you can't stop making out with him. And he says, "You still haven't told me what you wanted for your birthday." And she says surprise me so okay i will take a shot it's called surprise so take a shot anyway they make out again Uh, buffy makes an awkward sexual joke and it gets kind of weird because she's like oh i love seeing you in the morning and he's like well it's nighttime for me and so she's all well i like seeing you at bedtime and uh awkward but they agree that it is harder and harder to say goodbye and later at school, Willow thinks that it's super moxie what Buffy said to Angel. I like you at bedtime. And I bet they made out more before Buffy left. We didn't see her actually leave. I bet they kept making a missed a couple periods and then went to school. And it's been a while since I actually watched this episode. And I didn't write it in my notes, but I seem to remember Willow wearing like the stupidest outfit in this scene. She's got a cute little purple pillbox hat. Yeah, the pillbox hat. That's what I was remembering. <laughs> but uh, they're chatting about how Buffy and Angel want to do the do the do. They want to do the thing, but it would be wrong. Not just because Slayer Vampire, which is the more immediate obvious wrong, but also the you know age gap. And probably the statutory know, Buffy's thing. young, yeah. And Willow tells Buffy to carpe diem, seize the carp. That's what Buffy thinks. But seize the fish. Seize the day is actually the same advice that Buffy gave Willow in episode one. Doesn't Buffy think it means like fish of the day or something like that? <laughs> something like that. So Buffy's like, I think I'm going to seize it. Which, you know, don't read too much into that. And... I'm no teenage girl, but is it always planned out You're like this? Pretty much a teenage girl. I'm pretty much a teenage girl, but I wasn't. So, is it always this planned out? Like, is I, it always so calculated and just pre-discussed? Let me know. They're like, once you get to a certain point, seizing is inevitable. Yeah, and I don't know if that's how <laughs> girls think. Maybe it is. Maybe like girls are watching this, like obviously, and guys are watching it. Like, do they do that? I, yeah, it's definitely not something I've encountered. You know, people talking about, like, yeah, I think we're going to have sex. <laughs> I think it's going to happen. <laughs> but uh, after class, immediately cut after, they're still wowing about it all. And Willow said admits that she likes Oz because he's nice and she likes his hands. You'll have nice hands. <laughs> but uh, he's too old. He's a senior. 
<laughs> Just one year difference. Oh, poor Willow. Yeah, Buffy mentions that her boyfriend has had a bicentennial and pushes Willow to make a move. So mm. I say do it. Do it, do it, do it. Do it. Please. That's not even that bad of an age gap at all. No. My biggest was what? 40 Four years. years. Four years for me. 40 years? Four years. But And that's still that's still a little weird. But, but Willow decides to give it a shot. So she walks over to Oz. He's playing his Strat all unplugged, all, you know, kind of the changy sound you get when your guitar's not plugged in, like, kang, kang. And Willow asks if they have a gig coming up. He said, nah, just practice. We're moving to a new sound where we suck. So practice. <laughs> <laughs> He's got brown hair. Brown hair here. Brown hairs. He's brown-haired Oz. Woo! And he assuages Willow's fears. Is that a word? Assuages is a word, but I don't think that's what you're trying to say. Anyway, he says he's groupie-free. He's been clean. And there's an awkward silence. And then the reason that I love Oz so much. This is, oh, this is so great. I love how just very straightforward. Confident. Confident and casual. It's just no, like, uh, with with Oz, there's no, like. Hesitation. And it's also, like, you don't know, like, I don't know. You know, I I like Oz. I don't know if he likes me, though. Like, there's none of that. He's so straight to the point. And he's like, I'm going to ask you out tomorrow night. And I'm kind of nervous about it. It's interesting. <laughs> so I'm oh, like, yeah. Well, if it helps at all, I'm going to say yes. He's like, oh, it helps. You want to go out with me tomorrow night? Oh, I can't. And <laughs> I also love how he handles that. Because he's like, I like that you're unpredictable. <laughs> he's so calm and collected. Like, he's like, it creates a comfort zone. <laughs> I love them together. So Will invites him to Buffy's birthday party as her date. And there's awkward smiles all around before she awkwardly walks away. Uh, meanwhile, Xander is talking. <laughs> I love to... just Willow walking away though. She's just so like pleased with herself. Like I said, date. Yeah. <laughs> and meanwhile, Xander's talking to Cordy about Buffy's party. Uh, she's gonna cook apparently. So, I, I for some reason I get the feeling that's not a good idea. She's the chips and dips girl, though. I don't know. I feel like she could burn it. I feel like she's. In All the, the Buffy verse, she's Veronica, Veronica Lodge, and from the Archie comics, and Veronica can't cook. Willow is the Betty. It's these chips and dips girl. Veronica that literally can burn requires that requires nothing. That requires pouring a bag of chips into a bowl and a then dip. opening a bit of dip. So Xander mentions that they're both going and asks if they should go together, admit that they're a thing, because. Groping in a bloom, they've been groping in a broom closet for long enough. But Cordy says, Groping in a broom closet isn't dating, it's not dating till the guy spends money. <laughs> <laughs> so, Xander, well, I, I'll spend, you will grope, <laughs> but she's not biting. Now, what I found interesting about this is Xander's like, I think it's just weird that we have to hide it from all our friends. And Cordelia's like, Well, of course, you want to tell anybody, you have nothing to be ashamed of. I, on the other hand, have everything to be ashamed of, but it feels like Cordelia has not even, like, seen her friends once this season. Exactly. Like, it feels like she just hangs out with the Scooby gang now. There's been no Harmony, there's been no other Cordettes at all this season. But Xander says, forget it. Whatever. 
And uh, then he... He's, he calls himself Idiot Jed Glutton for Punishment. Yeah, I feel like... Uh, I feel like Josh threw that joke in because of his brother Jed. <laughs> uh, Giles stops Xander in the hall about the party. Uh, Xander says, calls Giles a funky party weasel. And then Buffy shows up, so they kind of mums the word about the surprise party. And Xander says he's feeling a pre-birthday spanking. <laughs> well, so, the thing that, that like, Giles says to Xander, like, he's oh, here comes Buffy. Then he says something like, now remember, discretion is the better part of valor. <laughs> what is... Couldn't you what say... Did she th- Things She's coming. Are... Shh. <laughs> yeah. And then Jenny says to cancel the spanking. So to his lapel, check, cancel spanking. <laughs> and Buffy tells all about her dream, which Giles agrees that you, know, you should be on the alert, but don't be too worried, which is pretty much the message she's beginning from everybody. Yeah, it's, she has Slayer dreams, but it's not necessarily like important. And Xander keeps I mean, making fun of Giles' big words, all of them. So, go to class, Xander. Gone. Notice the phrasing. Simple. Direct. <laughs> yeah, he says... I don't remember. Something about a cataclysmic event or a cataclysmic state of affairs. And Xander's like, couldn't you just say we'll be in trouble? <laughs> <laughs> and later, Dalton shows up downstairs with Spike's new package. Dalton being the vamp from the What's My Line episodes. The hipster vamp. <laughs> the glasses guy. And Spike is making sure that Drew is dead set on what they're doing. And he's had it with this place. Spike wants to go. He's in a wheelchair. He's all burned up. He just does, He's done. After an organ falls and you don't want to stick around. And Drusilla's upset with the flowers for her party. She has a little bit of a meltdown. <laughs> Yeah, she just wants to throw a party. (laughs) This episode is loosely, apparently, based off of and inspired by Alice in Wonderland. And Drew just wanted to paint the white roses red. She's supposedly the evil queen. She just wants to throw a birthday party for Buffy. (laughs) And she wants to open the party gift and gets way too excited. Can I open it? Can I? So she does. Can I? She does, and it reeks of death. And she gets really excited, and we never see what it is. But that's not something to be excited over. It, she says, it'll be the best party ever, because it'll be the last. Ominous villain chats. <laughs> and next day, Joyce asks Buffy if she feels any different now that she's 17. So, of course, you know, I'm responsible, I'm level-headed, I should go driving. <laughs> and... Do you really think you're ready? Boom. Drops her plate. Uh-oh. Oh, that's not a good sign. Word for word, the dream that she had. And I didn't realize it until Buffy's shock. And I was like, oh. Because what Joyce, Joyce saying the exact same thing didn't even click to me until the plate dropped. That's probably why they did it. Yeah. But do my eyes deceive? Or was the barcode still on the bottom of that plate? I didn't notice. <laughs> they, like, put the sticker on, and they're like, we just bought this plate just to break it. No need to get rid of it. 
In the computer lab, Jenny's doing some Jenny stuff. Whatever. Creepy old man accosts her. <laughs> you look well. <laughs> He's like Amish. He looks Amish. And you know who he looks like? Who? Looks like that guy from One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. Jenny says, I know I haven't written as much. I've been busy. And he jumps right into it. You've been ignoring your responsibility to your people. The elder woman can feel that Angel's pain is lessening. And I hate his gypsy accent. <laughs> it's not bad. I just hate it. <laughs> He's played by the wonderful Vincent Chiavelli. Very good actor. Very bad accent. Very disappoints me. Very much disappoints me. He's an ugly man. So I get the feeling, funny feeling, just a thought, that Jenny might be working with the gypsies, given the whole fact that she wants Angel to suffer and whatnot. And she mentions, well, you know, maybe he's not all bad. He saved my life. He's been trying to make amends. But Gypsy Man's kind of mad. His pain has to be eternal, like ours. <laughs> yeah, what the hell? He says, like... They killed the... They, he killed their favorite daughter of the tribe... But, like, that was, like, like 200 years ago. How eternal. And, like, you man, you didn't even know her. Maybe she sucked and all the stories are just embellishing. He has, like, one pretty iconic uh, iconic line. He, well, he says, you know, forget to destroy the most beloved daughter of your tribe, which... What, <laughs> favoritism. But then, like... Then he says... The iconic line is, Vengeance demands that his pain be eternal as ours is. If this, this girl gives him one minute of happiness, it is one minute too much. In every Buffy trailer ever, you watch, you watch a Buffy trailer, that line's in there. And she says some stuff, and he's like, You are still young enough to call the rash people a gypsy. Bad. And she's like, I know, uncle. Dun, dun, dun. Plot twist. Plot twist. Jenny's been lying the whole time. I don't mind the idea of Jenny being there to make sure that Angel stays a good guy, but, but, what, what? Jenny Callender's real name, Yana Calderash? Why? Why is that necessary? (laughs) And, like, that's so stereotypical gypsy. Why can't she be Jenny Callender of the Gypsy Tribe? Why does she have to have a fake Romanian name? Maybe she has, like, an accent, too, that she's hiding. And, oh, I hate that. And it's just, uh, it's just the whole, I'm not a huge fan of this plot twist. <laughs> no. And he says, do what you must to take her from him. And so Bobby's stressed later at the library because her mom broke the plate. That's not why. It's because of the exact same thing happened. Will and Xander bust in. They're all like, happy, happy birthday. (laughs) But Buffy's not excited. Willow's got a weird sweater here. It's like a little, it's got like a terrier on it. (laughs) And Giles is like super tweed. And Giles points out that, you know, Buffy, you can stop your dreams. You ground, well, Xander says, you you ground the master's bone to make your bread. (laughs) And she's, well, that's true, except for the bread part. And they plan to meet and strategize later. And after Buffy leaves, she was like, oh, wow, so much for a surprise party. I guess I'll call Cordelia. And Giles like, no, the party will go ahead as planned. They've been in danger before, and they will again. There's no good time to relax, and Buffy's only turning 17 once. <laughs> yeah. So I was so happy. I was like, Giles, you came through. That is so awesome of him. 
I love as soon as she leaves and is like, that's not a perky birthday puppy. <laughs> but uh, one thing that I find interesting in this is when, you know, Buffy's like, well, what am I supposed to do until we meet here later? And he's like, go to classes, do your homework, have supper. And she's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, she forgot that. She was just like, right, be that Buffy. Like, she forgot that, like, she is still a person. Like, she's not just the Slayer. In the halls later, Bitka Calendar stops Buffy. But there's nothing wrong with Jenny. She says that, oh, Giles... has got a bad arc. <laughs> Giles changed plans. Come with me. Hmm. You just talked to him a second ago. She stopped you in the hallway as you were leaving talking to him. Did he page you? <laughs> How could he have changed plans that quickly? <laughs> But she's like, you're supposed to meet him at his house. He's got to grab some books. That liar. Lying. She's super awkward at lying, too. She's not good at it. And she's like, my car's here. Why don't I drive you? And while they're driving, vamps come out. They're, like, unloading a delivery truck. Well, Buffy's like, are we going to the garage? She's like, I don't know. Jazz gave me an address following his directions. And, and then they see some vamps loading Unloading. A truck, a truck bed. Loading or unloading, it's hard to tell. But Buffy makes Jenny stop so she can slay, because it's her sacred duty. And it's Dalton. Hooray! <laughs> I, I love how Buffy's like, every time I see you, you're stealing something. You should speak with someone about this klepto issue. <laughs> and then more vamps come out. They fight in the back of the truck. They fight all over. And meanwhile, inside the bronze, the gang's all around. Haven't like in their party gear. Like, where is she? <laughs> I like this because it feels like you, know, you just see Jenny speaking with her uncle about how oh you got to keep her away from Angel. You know you have to do at all costs. And so he's like yes. And then she shows up all suspicious. Like oh come with me. It's been a change of plans. And he's like I'm just following Giles' directions. I don't know where we're going. And then she's leading Buffy to her surprise birthday party at the bronze. <laughs> and they're like, I think I hear her coming. <laughs> There's crashing and shouting from outside. Buffy stakes one of the vamps, fights a bit, vamp tackles her through the window, and she dusts the other one. So vamp death count two in this scuffle. And everyone's just kind of standing there in awe. And Cordy jumps up, surprise! <laughs> Which is a very Cordelia line, very oblivious to what's going on around her. Um, I'm pretty sure that's in the title credits. Yeah, it is. Just her doing the stupid surprise. I was like, well, that about sums it up. <laughs> so, and I like Buffy's demeanor. At first, she seems like almost upset because she just got out of like fight mode. She's like, what's going on here? And she starts getting all like bashful that they threw this for her, like all flattered. And Joe's like, a surprise party. Tweet! <laughs> Blows his noisemaker. <laughs> Willow awkwardly, awkwardly, she awkwardly asks if Oz is okay. And he's like, yeah, did anyone see that dude turn into dust? <laughs> and Xana's like, yeah, vampires are real. Most of them live in Sunnydale. Willow will fill you in. <laughs> Willow's, she goes to like this, like, the big, like, talk mode. She's like, I know it's hard to accept at first. And like, Actually, it explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I love how calm he is about it all. <laughs> well, I mean, like, you have to be an idiot to not, to live in Sunnydale and then this stuff happens, and to not at least be suspicious about it, you know? Yeah. But Jenny brings in Buffy's present that she just pulled from outside. It's one of the boxes 
that the vamps left behind. It's an arm in a gauntlet. And it immediately starts to strangle Buffy. So, of course, Angel has to Adam's family it back into the box. And <laughs> Xander's great line, where do you get the Slayer who has everything? <laughs> yeah. And what, Willow, what was that? And Oz looked like an arm. <laughs> and Xander's like, is this the vamp's version of snakes in a can? <laughs> and Angel recognizes it, and he explains it's the old legend of a demon brought forth to rid the world of humanity, the judge. And Giles immediately gets spooked because he recognizes the story. He, judge can't be killed. Giles, he says something really like formal. It's, it's it just bugged me the delivery of it. Like he's like the judge. This is he. And, yeah. <laughs> like what? Not as, is this the judge? <laughs> and Giles mentions the story that an army couldn't kill the judge, so they dismembered him and scattered the pieces after so many of them died. And. They theorize that maybe Drusilla is alive and reassembling him, and she's just crazy enough to do it. Intense. That's intense. And Cordy, oblivious once again to everything. Does anyone else want cake? <laughs> so, of course, Jenny uses her ulterior motives to send Angel away. Take this to Nepal. But, yeah, Angel, like, Jenny, everyone is, is so just, everyone hates Jenny. Except me. I feel like I'm alone in this world. I, I don't like the actress of Jenny. But everyone's like, oh, she's trying to send Angel away. It's like, yeah, but you realize that's a that's a good thing. <laughs> it's because of her ulterior motives, but also she has a point that Angel's the only one that can do this. Well, not only does she have a point, her ulterior, like, ulterior motives are generally a bad thing. She's doing the right thing and she's disguising it as doing a different right thing that's two good things in one mm -hmm. <laughs> people are just like oh she's just trying to break up Buffy and Angel which not only is that a good thing your next episode or rather at the end of this episode we'll find out why it's a good thing she's sending him to Nepal to get rid of the judge she's stopping the apocalypse Angel can't fly like physically with his arms. he's not from the movie. No, he can't fly in a plane <laughs> because he can't guard against the daylight. But there's no other choice. He has to leave tonight, as soon as possible. And the love theme. And Buffy's sad line, but it's my birthday. That's fine. That's <laughs> Elsewhere, Drusilla's very upset with Dalton. He's like, well, the Slayer came out of nowhere. And she shushes him. Takes off his glasses. And just calmly stomps on them. I like the what are the one thing that kind of bugged me is I don't like it. In fact, uh, how they decide that Angel has to leave like tonight, and it's not just Jenny's decision; it's Angel's decision too. He's like, "No, we got to go tonight. You couldn't just keep that in a safe place for a day, yeah. and then leave tomorrow." Like, I guess. But, man, Dalton's never not in vamp face. He never takes it off. But that's just bullying. She stomps his glasses and then tells him to make a wish because she's going to blow out the candles and she's, like, about to gouge out his eyes. It looks like. 
And then he's, you know, no, I'll get it back, I swear. And she's like, okay. And she just, like, puts the glasses back on. Hurry back then and just, like, pats him on the head. Yeah. Which felt very undrusilla to me. But she's so just deliciously crazy. Meanwhile, the set of the docks looks fantastic. Looks really... like it's straight out of Daredevil. It really does. And Buffy walks Angel to the ship. And he should go the rest of the way alone. He says, and he says, like, I should be back in, I don't know. And Buffy's like, what, six months, a year? Like, they could be dead. It's kind of sad. You know, I was like, take her leave. And he's like, hey, for what? So you haven't noticed someone pretty much always wants us dead. Casablanca or what? No, not at all. <laughs> Here's looking at you, kid. So Buffy thinks that, yeah, one of them is going to die in that period, and she just can't handle it, so to calm yeah, her down... She's probably right. <laughs> yeah, so to calm her down, he gives her her birthday present, a silver Clodagh ring. It's a traditional Irish ring. It's a sign of devotion. The hands represent friendship, the crown represents loyalty, and the heart represents love. And so Buffy's crying, and if you wear it with the heart pointing towards you, you belong to somebody. Now I... Myself, Mr. Universe, I'm super sweet. And I got my girlfriend one of these for her birthday because of this episode. So Best Boyfriend Award goes to me. Because you saw a fictional character do it? It's sweet. And he shows her that he is a matching one. So she kisses it and steals all the jewels and hides them in her teeth. (laughs) No. (laughs) No. I don't even think other people are going to get that stupid, like, Robin Hood animated reference. I teared up in the scene, though. In Robin Hood? Yeah. But, no, neither of them want to do this, but they have to. That's kind of sad. The love theme is just so beautiful and powerful and, like, swooping in, elevating the whole scene. And they kiss a bit, because what else is new? And Angel's... He goes to tell her that he loves her, but boom, vamp attack at the worst time ever. There's so many. And Dalton, like, takes the box away as they're distracted. And Angel tackles him like a pimp. But then another vamp takes it. Like, it's just, <laughs> they're overwhelmed. And Bobby's vampire throws her off the boat. So Angel has to jump in. And they, they messed it up. They messed up the whole job. <laughs> they dilly-dallied. And look what happened. But it's a really fantastic set, though. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, Giles is all worried back at the library. They should be back by now. And they're like, oh, well, Buffy probably need you know, a few minutes considering it's her birthday, you cold-hearted bastard. Just to pull herself together. And, and Xander, Xander, <laughs> Xander mentions, like, it would never work anyway. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, hmm, it's sad. But on the upside, it wouldn't have worked anyway. <laughs> and he, says, he makes a weird joke about Buffy being a Denny's waitress by day, Slayer by night. Angels in front of the TV with a big blood belly, dreaming about the glory days. <laughs> now, I don't think Buffy's actually Denny's waitress. I think it was part of his fantasy. <laughs> yeah, no, that's his, that's his fantasy. And also, she would be one of those night shift Denny's waitresses. But he goes on about an extension of the fantasy where he swoops in and saves Buffy. <laughs> and of course, she awkwardly walks in. <laughs> And Jenny took Angel to get clothes. Not only does he swoop in and save Buffy, swoops in in his private jet and takes Buffy out for prime rib. <laughs> yeah, Buffy walks in, she says, Jenny took Angel to get clothes. 
Which is good that Angel wasn't there to hear that. <laughs> and Giles mentions that he found that the judge can burn the humanity out of you and no human can survive it. And also that no weapon forged can kill him, so they have to stop them from assembling him, otherwise they're donezies. As the Jinook Angels get closed, I had some here. Xander just gets all suspicious. We need to close because... But we just kind of just like stares at him. We got wet. <laughs> <laughs> and Willow suggests a round robin, which is everybody calling everybody else's mom and lying. Did anyone actually do this? I didn't. I don't think oh. I did. But I'm assuming this is a real I deal. I mean, like, why... I've never really done anything where I can't let my parents know where I'm going. You've never gone bowling? <laughs> well, even if I'm, like, you're, like, out all night on a school night, it's for a good reason, and I'm going to say, hey, you know, I know I'm not supposed to be doing this, but this is what I'm doing, and this is why. And they're like, yeah, whatevs. Do what you got to do. You're a, a <laughs> grown child kid, or however old I was. But, like, I don't know. I mean, I was obviously never a slayer, but it seems like it's a common thing. Lying to your parents. <laughs> but uh, it frees up time for saving the world and also cakers. <laughs> and everyone just kind of stares at Willow's like, what? Only Xandra gets to make dumb jokes. <laughs> and she just can't get over about how cool Oz was about everything. Which, I feel you, girl. And then they're all researching, but Buffy is adorably sleeping in the office. And she hasn't been sleeping well. She's been tossing and turning. And then they all look at Angel and he's like, she told me because of her dream. <laughs> in Dreamsville, Buffy's in a well-lit candelabra shop by the, by the looks of it. Because <laughs> they're everywhere. And she's wearing a Marilyn Monroe dress, so I hope she watches out for air vents. And she sees all the pieces sitting on the floor. She's going to do something about it, but Drew has Angel. Hands off my presence. And then boom, she's awake. Would slitting a vampire's throat really do much? I don't know. You'd have to behead them, I think. But yeah, she just had a knife to his throat. Would you take some sawing? <laughs> so Angel comforts her while downstairs Drusilla's party starts. It figures the vamps would like Rasputina and their song about vampires, Transylvanian Transylvanian concubine. concubine, yeah, bad. And Spike rolls up with the last piece. He calls Drusilla ducks as a pet name, plural ducks. <laughs> yeah, I I thought that's what he said. I listened to it a few times. Like, yeah, I don't know what he says. And they fit the headpiece right on top, the last piece. Now I've got a bone to pick with this. What kind of idiots? Destroy a beast that has killed so many people. They scatter his pieces across the world, but put them into boxes that nicely intersect and can be easily reassembled. Yeah, I was thinking of the same thing. Like, why do the boxes interlock, and why do they have, like, slots so that the pieces can form back together? Well, what a bad idea, fellas. I'm hoping it's a ritualistic thing. Otherwise, I'm super mad at you. Like, put them in, like, irregularly shaped boxes. Make it as difficult as possible. Pack it full of, like, 
different packing materials, so you have to, like, try and, like, slide it out of all the styrofoam. Like, make it difficult. <laughs> Digging and... the packing peanuts for a tiny little finger in a giant box. And then the weird coffin opens up and uh, Luke comes out. <laughs> yeah, it's Luke. The judge is played by Brian Thompson, who wouldn't be so bad if he didn't look and sound the same. As when he played Luke. Fear is on our looks, sir. <laughs> and the judge immediately hates Drew and Spike <laughs> because they stink of humanity because they love each other. Meanwhile, the lyrics in the song say, cakey is their makeup, Catholics try to shake up. <laughs> I just <laughs> noticed that in the background. And then uh, even more so, Drew and Spike are like, hey, we assembled you. And then he's like, well, then I hate him. <laughs> he's Dalton. Because apparently he's got the same taste as all of us in people. And like, Meg, look at that. He hates hipsters. <laughs> <laughs> and he hates them because he reads, which what a dumb reason. Because, Mr. Judge, you wouldn't be around if people couldn't read. <laughs> you wouldn't be reassembled right now if people didn't read that this could happen. No, he just, they hate him because he, he feels. Well, and because he reads, yeah, but... <laughs> And they're like, can't you just zap him? And he's like, not yet. I haven't returned in strength. I need contact. And touches Dalton and boom, burns him alive. With the not so bad, but not so great burning effects. Drusilla's is so happy to do it again. <laughs> and that's a vamp death count of three. And Buffy knows where they are. The factory. Now, isn't that where, where Spike and Drew were before? Yeah. So why didn't they check there first? I'm scared of what they might find, I guess. <laughs> but Giles says that, Buffy, you need a plan. So boom, she rattles off a fully formed plan. Yeah, it's just like, well, oh. it, it, actually, that's quite a good plan. <laughs> so Buffy decides to head there with Angel, and there's still, a, there's still a party going on. And Vamps are drinking blood punch down below. How do you and, know it's blood? Do you think it's carbonated? I think it's just punch. <laughs> but, uh, uh-oh, the guest of honor arrives. Buffy and Angel uh, can see old Phil Sclera from up there. With his all pure black eyes, and he sees them. So when the judge sees you crashing a party, or in just in real life situation, if any judge sees you crashing a party, you're going to Crashing a party is illegal. <laughs> but uh, they got to get out of there, but they're trapped. And Spike's all gleeful, like, crashers! <laughs> and Bobby's like, I'm sure our invitations just got lost in the mail. And uh, Angel, like, jumps in front of the judge. He's like, no, take me. Take me before you take her. And Spike's like, no, there is no instead. It's first or second. <laughs> yeah, he's like, take me instead of her. No, not how it works. <laughs> yeah. So the gu judge goes to touch Buffy, but... And the vamps are, like, loving it. Like, super happy. And uh, she, Buffy kicks him in the in the newt sack, while Angel drops a random stage light on him, and they make their exit. It was really weird. Like it seemed like Angel had a plan, but we weren't really let in on it. <laughs> and then they uh, hop down a hole to the sewers. Now, fun fact: this hole is a convenient plot device, but it appears to be repaired after this moment because it's never seen there in that spot again. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, Buffy touched the judge, though. That can't be fun. Just, just for a second, but ugh. 
And Buffy and Angel make their escape, wind up in some park, probably a graveyard, knowing Sunnydale. It's raining. And Angel quickly leads them to his place, because their plan went really awry, really fast. All Buffy's plans today seem to be uh, not the best ones. Not working out too well. So at, Buff- at Angel's place, Angel gives Buffy some clothes to put on and warm up. He's a perfect gentleman. He even turns around as she changes. But, and I think we mentioned that he had done that earlier, last season. But you can clearly see the shadow of a window and its pain. But Angel is a vampire. So either he wouldn't have windows or he would always, always have the blinds pulled. Unless they're yeah. really thin, terrible blinds. <laughs> I assumed he lived like underground or something. Well, I think he had a window because I'm pretty sure Darla opened one for him last season. Yeah, I think she did. But why wouldn't he have the curtains drawn? Anyway, right. Buffy gets hurt. While getting undressed. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's not. Just, that came out wrong. She had a cut. <laughs> it's not like she couldn't do it properly and she got hurt. No, she was already hurt. <laughs> Angel asks if he can come see. I'd be like, man, you're a vampire. You're gonna drink it. <laughs> but it's already closed. She's just a wuss. <laughs> just kidding. It's probably a super healing. I'm assuming. Buffy you the Slayer. And, uh, uh uh-oh, they're pretty close, and the love song's starting up again, so what's it gonna go down? Um, seizing. (laughs) (laughs) And Buffy's upset, because they both almost went away today, and I can't tell if she's crying, or if she's sniffing because she's cold. I couldn't tell. Maybe both? And she's like, Angel's like, I, you what? Sailing away. <laughs> I love you. And finally, he's been trying to get it out all episode. And he says, I try not to, but I can't stop. I can't either. I still ship it. I don't care about how high school it is, how immature the relationship is. How, how toxic much, it is. How much I've been making fun of them kissing so much. I do ship it. They start kissing again, and I ship that too. But I feel like on the second watch through... And now that I'm a lot older when I'm watching it, like, I'm jaded towards the relationship a bit. <laughs> like, the first time, I'm like, yeah, i just super into it, super romantic. Now I'm watching, like, they'll never last. They're just dumb kids. <laughs> I think this series is more or less atten- intended for, like, a teenage audience. And, I mean, it's, it's definitely, you know, anyone can watch it. But I think the target audience is, like, teenagers. And so now that we're older, we're just like, uh, stupid kids. <laughs> and they wake up the next morning, they're buck naked, so... Uh-oh, do you think they did the do? The thing that uh, they... I think they just... You know, they're cold, their clothes are wet. <laughs> so they cuddled naked. Oh. They're <laughs> on opposite sides of the bed. And Angel wakes up, he gasps, and he busts outside naked. He's suddenly wearing clothes. The second he gets outside, because vamps have more powers than we know about. Have you clothes... ever seen a naked vampire? Exactly, their clothes regenerate. Um, but he collapses and screams. He's calling up Buffy's name. It's Stormin. She don't hear. And then they end on that tease. What happened? We don't know. Will we ever the... find out? I don't think we will. It plays the song. I don't know what it's called. Like One Moment of Happiness or something like that. 
I'll, I'll look it up and mention it next episode. But uh, that's a final death count to three. And this is the last episode ever to air on a Monday. And this is Buffy's actual birthday, January 19th to 20th. She's a Capricorn. <laughs> Check out Dope Scopes Daily on Twitter. It's a parody account run by the Clairvoyant tonight intermittently. It's not daily. That's part of the joke. And it's just really dumb horoscopes. Check out Capricorn. See what we said for Buffy. But this episode kicks off a trend of Buffy's birthday parties going horribly. And there's yeah. two two cut scenes in this episode. One is Giles and Jenny discussing how Giles is pretty much her father figure. And the, not true. It's very true. And the other one is Cordelia pointing out to Harmony her attraction to Xander. She's like, oh, and then she's like, oh, I was just kidding. I guess they couldn't get Mercedes back for that scene. <laughs> it's possible. But that would make her reaction to him earlier more palatable. Like, it doesn't seem out of character for her, but it would you'd be like, oh, she's trying, though. And this episode was super important to me. Because it introduced the judge. And it really strengthened Bangel and Will Oz. And it had Zandelia moments. <laughs> uh, Jenny's introduction is a maybe villain. Put a strain You're a on, teenage girl. It put a strain on Giles and Durr, But Spike Silla was in it too. I'm done. Done with the ship names. <laughs> uh, but a scene from this episode is actually on the TV in the background. In the 2014 movie, Fault in Our Stars. Is it true? Yeah. It's weird. But I think it's overall a very heavy episode. Very powerful. It introduces one of the baddest baddies yet, the judge. So I think it is steak time for everyone. What do you think about this episode? Episode 13, Surprise. Um, it, eh, eh. it wasn't very good. Yeah, right. No, it was, it was a really good one. It was a strong episode. And honestly, from this point on, the season remains pretty consistently strong. And so this is like... You know, this kicks off one of the the coolest arcs in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, you know, Season 3 is the most watched season in Buffy, and that's because of how strong Season 2 ended. Yeah, largely, in, well, I mean, there's other factors, like a bunch of movies they were doing at the time. But I think, yeah, how season two ended largely contributed to that because everyone wanted to come back for season three because, you know, all the season two people were telling their friends, you got to watch this show. So, yeah, it's, it's a strong episode. Um, kicking off the strong back end of the season. And I say... I can't decide if four or four and a half stakes. I'll say four because that's me. And I, yeah, I give it a four as well. I think it's super important, very well done episode, but it'll always be the first half of a whole, which seems to be when there's a two part episode, it, the first episode always will feel lacking and will probably always get a lower rating because it's part of a whole. Yeah. So I give it four. Uh, a great episode, but incomplete. Weedenverse podcast rating, four out of five stakes.
If you like what you hear, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at at Whedoncast. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast, or review, rate, and subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. The Whedonverse Podcast is brought to you by the HHW LOD Network. You can find them at hhwlod.com, on Twitter at hhwlod underscore network, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash hhwlod. The Tangent Bound Network can be found at tangentboundnetwork.com, on Twitter at tangentboundpc, and on Facebook at tangentboundnetwork. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Season 2, Episode 14, Innocence. Written and directed by Joss Whedon. Original air date, January 20th, 1998. So welcome back to the Whedonverse podcast. We are joined for Innocence with uh, One Sick Puppy from the Dead as Hell Horror podcast. It's been a while. Yeah, good evening. Good evening. You are, you are I think, our most featured guest in our first season. I like it. I like it a lot. And you were supposed to be... Let's talk oh. about this. You were supposed to be on the season, I think, more than once up to this yeah. point. And just nothing ever worked out. <laughs> yeah, I missed Halloween. That That's really depressing to me. Yeah, we were pretty bummed. We were like, oh, none of the horror podcasters could make it for Halloween. Because Shannon Dreadful was supposed to be on that one as well. And nobody could do it. Oh, uh, that sucks. <laughs> this episode actually aired a day after Surprise. Because that's when they shifted from being aired on Mondays to being aired on Tuesdays. Oh, so you got two episodes in one week? Two episodes in a row. That must have been awesome back yeah. in 97. Or 98, I guess. This would be 98. Yeah, you were like two years old, weren't you? <laughs> Six. Thank you. This episode's actually on the Angel DVD of the Slayer Collection. Because it's pretty angel-heavy, as we'll see. It's okay. actually not. It's actually pretty angel-light. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like the different names in different countries a lot. In Finnish, well, in Finland, rather, it's called Angel or Demon, which is a great name. That and sounds American. In, well, it's translated to Angel <laughs> or Demon. And in Germany, it's called The Fallen Angel, or translates to The Fallen oh, Angel. Oh, nice. That's pretty cool. Germany's been so far killing it with their weird titles, but I like that one. <laughs> They're always like, it's like, lie to me, the liar, lie, like, death wish. And like, <laughs> yeah. They're fun. So we start the episode with a previously on, which means you know that stuff's going down. And we actually start with just the judge who we met last episode, just kind of meditating and just chilling there. And Spike's complaining that they're, <laughs> that they're meditating, that they're not taking action. I am preparing. Yeah, and Drusilla's you know, comforting him, but Spike's arguing and saying that the judge is preparing looks a lot like sitting on his ass. And then Drew starts tweaking. She has a vision. And... She has a heart attack. The poor woman. Yeah, something's up. And it looks painful, but then she starts to smile. So I guess all is well in the evil world. Yeah, I don't know if that's uh, 100% a vision or if that's just uh, the sire bond going on. I was kind of wondering about that. Yeah, or like just a, a feel. Like not necessarily something she sees, but it's definitely something she feels. Right. And maybe she's just crazy <laughs> now one sick puppy we haven't had you on in season two yet so we haven't got your opinion what are your thoughts on spike and drusilla i am not a fan of wheelchair spike i <laughs> I, I do love spike you know uh drusilla is one of my favorite characters in the series uh 
absolutely love her. She's gorgeous and she's crazy and she's just, you know, Juliet Landau, just the way she moves and plays that character is just fantastic. She's one of the best. And I was looking her up on IMDb tonight. She's she doesn't work nearly enough. No. She's all, she's got 50 credits to her name and some of that's voice work, but uh I would just I would really like to see her uh get some more work, get a series, you know, get something with some uh, some range in it as far as uh, different arcs and get to see her do a lot of different stuff. But as Drusilla, I think she's fantastic. And she's got really awesome fingernails in this episode. I like <laughs> Didn't notice, but I'll keep an eye out in the rewatch. Meanwhile, Buffy's waking up the morning after. Yeah, in Angel's bed alone, which is a good sign. Woo. Same ominous thunderstorm outside. Which is stopped. <laughs> At the end of the last episode, it's pouring cats and dogs, and he falls to the ground. And this episode, everything's wet, it's not raining, and he falls to the ground. So Dramatics. <laughs> I didn't notice that. Little continuity problem there, Joss. Let's uh, get back <laughs> to the studio and get that fixed. <laughs> and it's not playing... Uh, the end of the last episode is playing a beautiful song called uh, Moment of Happiness by Christoph Beck. And though Moment of Happiness is listed on the album as being in this episode, it's not actually played anywhere in this episode. It's a it's a variation of the famous Close Your Eyes Buffy Angel love theme. But oh. no, it actually appeared at the end of the previous episode. And we just have Angel falling to the ground. Yeah, flopping like a fish in the road. Yeah, that's probably listed on the credits because uh, they would have done a last time on Buffy at the beginning of the episode. True. So they probably had that music in that part. Some nice lady of the night finds him. Yeah, smoking woman. And I mean, like, literally smoking a cigarette. She is, I mean, uh, the actress is an all right lady, but she is literally smoking. I feel the need to clarify that. Oh, I see what you're saying there. <laughs> and she asks if he needs any help. And so he turns around, bites her, exhales smoke, and claims he feels just fine. Yeah, that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever <laughs> physically, no. but it's but so cool. I was just going to say that. Like, no part of that even kind of makes sense, but no one cares because it's cool. <laughs> Did he get yeah. the smoke from her bloodstream? <laughs> he only bites her. I, ca- I timed it. Tonight when I watched it, he bites her for two and a half seconds. That's not even like enough to get a swallow. <laughs> That's true. I mean, well, I used to smoke to and you drag. can't inhale. No, it's barely enough to take a drag. <laughs> but That's a human death count of one. If she's a human. I don't even know if she died. She probably got up and went home. That's fair. I'm going to say one. We're going to we'll say, well, maybe he stayed there and just casually fed off of her. Unless she bled out when he left. You know. Yeah, no one around to help her. She was the only streetwalker in there. Maybe. I'm assuming, by the way, that she's a streetwalker. It's not explicitly said. What is pretty explicit is that Angelus is back. <laughs> you know, Joss said that he actually did this to keep Buffy and Angel's relationship from getting boring to viewers. That's why he decided to uh, make Angel not all good. Which is a super awesome twist, but I think that you know, I just didn't want to get boring in the relationship. That's a weird excuse. Well, that's that's classic Joss, though. I mean, if you think about it, this is probably his second big, you know, screw you because he killed Buffy at the end of the first season. Yeah, and then and then you know they finally hook up, and then he just sticks the knife in as soon as it happens. Yeah. So that's I mean he's he's this is 
the next step in in the building of his reputation as a <laughs> you know say, nothing is sacred kind of guy. I, agree. I would say it's his third attempt and his second success. Because I'd say with Jesse in the first episode, he tried to like, uh, oh, we're gonna yeah. kill off a main character. It didn't work out so well, but it was an attempt. It was it was the same yeah. basic concept in that just like, yeah, nothing is safe and confusing and pissing off fans. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd say you're right. And so then we cut to the title credits, and so then we have Buffy going back home, trying sneak back up the stairs. When, uh, and let's just say, Buffy's makeup is supernatural, because she has been in the rain, and she's had a sweet night of passion, and she has gotten up and gone home with no purse, and her makeup is impeccable. Wow, yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah. I did, actually. It crossed my mind. <laughs> either either Angel's got Teflon pillows, or you know she has got some monster makeup on. She's got super, super makeup super strength. <laughs> Yeah, she's trying to sneak up her stairs uh, when the best mom in the world. <laughs> I was going to avoid avoid that, but it looks like you've already started. <laughs> the beast. <laughs> when Joyce greets her uh, with a good morning and asks if she had fun last night. So Buffy gets like, kind of confused panic mode. Yeah, she feels guilty. She feels like her mom knows. And you know, like, it's like that, like, paranoid, like, everybody knows. Everybody <laughs> knows. <laughs> And, yeah, then Joyce reminds her she said she was at Willow's. <laughs> and she's like, oh, yeah, Willow's fun, you know. And she's just, she's acting kind of funny. You know, she's obviously a little jarred, probably by the fact that she woke up and Angel was gone. And she says she's going to go take a shower. Joyce notices something's wrong, but she's like, no, it's cool. And she goes upstairs. In the library, meanwhile, Buffy hasn't checked in yet. And... Xander, you know, shows up. They let him kind of know their suspicions that the judge has been assembled. And he rightfully starts freaking out, assuming the worst. And then Gloomy Gang here, they're just, like, worried it's not going to do any good. If Buffy's dead, then we're all dead. Like, <laughs> like it's, They're just like, if they got Buffy, what are they going to do to us? You know, there's no stopping this. Let's just sit here and mope. I can't believe that. It, it confused me so bad. And Just because they didn't rally behind, they had no faith in Buffy. It's like Buffy didn't show up yet. She's probably dead. We're all gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even try talking to her or look for her. Uh... <laughs> Not so much. <laughs> she might be dead. I had hash runs. <laughs> yeah, they're like, well, I think the judge has been assembled. I wonder if they're right. Dum dum dum. And so Xander and Willow get kind of. And they're like, hey, you know, we're going to go check out Spike's factory. Willow's so upset she can't even think of a mean word right now. Which is upset and adorable. <laughs> yes. <laughs> then Buffy just shows up, which is probably for the best, because if Xander and Willow went to Spike's warehouse factory thing, things would have ended pretty differently. <laughs> <laughs> I like how they're like, oh, we were just about to save you. Some of us were, and Jal's just yeah. like all like penny. I would, I would have. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. I think in uh, this episode that Buffy's not just bummed out. She, it's it's really obvious that her head is just completely thick, and 
her thoughts are just swimming in her head. She's it's, it's more than depression. It's more than distraction. It's uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar really brought it in this episode, and and just she's in a fog. And it's, yeah, she. I just a, think uh, it's really good. Yeah, she's just got so much on her mind. What a crazy birthday! <laughs> yeah, she's pretty distant, pretty withdrawn, and she tells them their fears that the judge is assembled. But uh, they didn't call or check in because they uh, they had to hide. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and they got split up. <laughs> Rightfully upset because no one's heard from Angel. Yeah. And so they, they kind of just, she asked if they heard anything. They hadn't. So they talk about the judge a bit. Then they just kind of all go their own ways all at the same time. But like she says, the judge is not the prettiest man in town, which apparently, according to the internet, is a Smurfs reference. Weird. He's also Smurfs. Smurfs, and I was like, I'm trying to think, like, run through the theme song, run through it. Like, how is that a Smurf show? Apparently, it is. Does that uh, refer to Gargamel? Possible. And at this point, it would have had to have been the cartoon. So right, he is getting stronger. Buffy confirms. So, gang's in for some tough luck. It bugs me about the judge. It's like not only that I can see Brian Thompson in there. I can hear it. He sounds like Luke. And I hate Luke. Yeah. It just, yeah, it's I kind think... of strange that he brought him back so quickly. You guys have probably already talked about this, but, you know, I can see him bringing him back at the fifth or sixth season, but to bring him back so, like, I don't know, not even 20 episodes later, it's just yeah, maybe they kind of like, a strange choice. A limited repertoire of actors that audition for minor roles. <laughs> Fun fact with the judge is actually he's one of the villains in the Buffy board game, which I'm sure, I think we have actually scheduled to talk about the Buffy board game at yeah. some point. Yeah, I, I actually bought that for my wife. Yeah, the judge recently. is one of the villains in it, which is interesting, because Drusilla and Spike are considered minions. <laughs> yeah, that, that game is seriously complex. You you read the instruction book on it, and it's you, it's just mind-boggling. It's Lots crazy. of options, yeah. Well, that's, yeah. It's pretty cool. Plug. <laughs> then they all disperse, go their own ways, and Buffy and Willow talk a bit on the stairwell. Nothing new, really. They still just talk about how Angel is missing, which we've established. But that's, what's new is Jenny is just like lurking around the corny corner, being all like creepy and Romanian. Jenny Calendar is lurky, but yeah. there's there's no reason at this point. I mean, there's not even a hint of a suspicion of, of anything that should involve her. So it's just... Well, we, in the previous episode, we met you know, her creepy Romanian uncle. and But, like, there's... She didn't do anything wrong. I mean, like, I don't... I guess at this point, she's out of the closet as far as watching Buffy. So they just are trying to drive that point home, that she's a spy. Yeah. Drew is still all crazy, naming the stars. <laughs> Which Yeah. And she's <laughs> I love that scene. Just she's like I'm naming the stars. He's like You can't see the well, stars, that's the ceiling. <laughs> also it's day. And she's, <laughs> and she's like, yeah, there's terrible confusion because I've named them all the same name and just <laughs> She's crazy. Classic Drusilla. Yeah, yeah, that is honestly one of the lines that comes to mind when I think of Drusilla. She's the queen of cute creepiness. But really, though, uh, there's nobody that plays insane like her. Yeah. I mean, if you if you seriously concentrate, I've done this before. I've tried to come up with anybody that plays crazy, and it's 
partly owed to the writing, of course, but uh, nobody in, in TV or film history that I can think of comes even close to being actually mad, except for, you know, maybe an Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just such a unique portrayal of it, too. Like, it's... The, the, the way she, like, moves her hands and flows her lines and seems all, like, always in a dream. Like, I've never seen it, you know, portrayed like that before, either. Yeah, she's very serpentine. <laughs> yeah. And Jealous shows up. They're like, I wonder what Angel's up to now. He's like, I moved to New York, tried to fulfill that Broadway dream. <laughs> Going on yeah. and on. Got a job in the chorus, then the lead actress twisted her ankle. And <laughs> yeah, I think it's neat in this scene, too, that as soon as uh, Angela shows up, uh, Drusilla starts twitching in her panties, because I think she can tell that uh, <laughs> that's not Angel. I like how he's, after that, he's talking about all, like, badass vigilante, like, as long as creeps like you are around, I can never rest, like, he's like Batman Angel. Right. <laughs> and then... Yeah, and then he just, you know, then they, he's like, look over your shoulder, and Spike's like, look over your shoulder, and there's the judge who incinerates him, yeah. or tries to, but he just says, he's clean, there's no humanity in him, and he's like, I couldn't have said it better myself. Which, like the yeah, judge... but it's got the, the my one of my favorite lines in the whole series before that, he says, maybe he's broken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is but... absolutely one of the best lines. I forgot about that, but yeah, that's great. When the judge is trying to incinerate him, he's not doing anything, and the angel just, maybe he's broken. But the judge did burn Dalton, so there must be, like, different degrees of evil. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, that that actually is explored throughout the season, uh, or rather throughout the series, you know, that vampires can almost get to the point of redeeming themselves without a soul. You know, and it's explored. There is different levels of humanity within vampires. And apparently when Angel doesn't have a soul, there is not a shred of humanity there. He should be proud. Yeah, that's pretty impressive, actually. <laughs> He's the baddest bad. <laughs> Drusilla says Angel instead of Angelus. Which... Yeah, that pissed me off throughout this whole episode. Yeah, because it's like, you'd think she'd call him Angelus. Why would she call him Angel? Yeah, it's just he he agrees to it, but you know, at other times I've heard him say, "Don't call me Angel." You know, like it really bugs him, and it's just you know they are not really uh, they don't really stick to that in this episode. No, yeah. Angel, uh, yeah, he calls his soul thing just phase. He starts smoking, which is how you know he's evil because apparently, as soon as you turn evil, you start smoking. I love how charismatic. And awesome, David Boreanaz is this angel. It's a complete flip from his like wounded puppy, kind of like meek and brooding character. As Angelus, yeah. And I think a Joss in commentary for one of the episodes, I think he said as soon as he wrote this, and then he saw uh, because it's no secret that Angel gets a spinoff show. I think that Joss in one of the commentaries, as soon as he saw him. You know, in in character as Angelus, that's when he's like, this guy could carry his own show. Because he's just, you know, he's so different from Angel. And he's, <laughs> I was going to say likable. He's really charismatic. He's he's fun to watch just because he's a, like a, a gleeful evil. But Well, that makes yeah. you think, though, Joss must not have realized at the beginning of the series that that's what he was going to do. 
because I would think that uh, if he had had that in mind, he would have had him read as Angelus. Yeah. Angel is actually a one episode appearance, and initially he wasn't even supposed to be a vampire. So oh, wow. this character went a long way from just being the deleted scene from the pilot. <laughs> yeah, the stranger from the pilot. Yeah, so Angelus can't be burnt. He's he's just as bad as it gets, and everyone's kind of like celebrating all the baddies dancing around. And... Spikes says like I was sick seeing you as a Slayer's lapdog, and this is one of my favorite parts in the whole episode. He growls at him, pulls him by the shirt, and he just kisses him on the forehead and like hops away. <laughs> and they just all burst out laughing. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> it's weird how like. Evil Angel is so fun, but, like, Good Angel is no fun. <laughs> good Angel's just broody and quiet, and you're like, come on, that would be a party pooper. So now I want to hang well, with Angelus. <laughs> as much as it hurts that he's bad, because I I you know, I'm really am into Buffy and Angel, I love it. I just love it. He does it so well that you forget that it hurts. <laughs> and it's four against one now. We got four vamps, or well, three vamps and a demon, versus one slayer. And so they invite Angelus uh, to destroy to, the world. <laughs> yeah, just to join them in their little little quest to destroy the world. And he's happy to oblige, but he just wants to hold off for a bit so he can completely mentally f with Buffy for a bit. <laughs> he's like, I'm more interested in the Slayer while well, she's in the world, so that should work out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she made him feel human, and that is the kind of thing he cannot forgive. So meanwhile, in the library, Willow's on the phone with Buffy, trying to reassure her that uh, Angel must have had a plan, and he's probably not dead, probably. And, yeah, then she explains to the gang, Xander's, like, you know, just reading the book, like, say hi for me. <laughs> yeah, he's completely oblivious to the Angel situation. He just doesn't even care. Yeah. It's like, he could be dead, that's fine. <laughs> and then Willow hangs up, like, say hi for me. <laughs> and she explains that Buffy can't find Angel anywhere, and that she's normally that's not a big deal, but she's kind of wigging because of her dream last episode of Drusilla staking him. So she says, "Oh yeah, her and Giles talk a bit. Buffy's gonna join them there, but she's gonna stop at home first. She even beat up Willie a bit, and he didn't give him any good information. Yeah, for some reason, you know that's that's normally funny, but tonight it." bothered me for some reason it's i like, felt the same you know, way it beat him up a couple of times if you really think about it willie is not the kind of guy that you even have to touch to get the information you just have to threaten him and i don't even i don't even know you know obviously she's feeling bad and she wants to take it out on something but uh i feel bad for willie well he's a, i mean he's really a likey likable character he's, he tries to be an honest businessman <laughs> kind gentleman well, I see what one sick puppy's saying because everybody torches this guy for information. That he's like his only crime is running a skeezy location where this information makes his way to him. Like it's yeah. not like he asked for this, but everybody <laughs> torches it out of him. And he's like, man, I'm yeah. just a regular human being. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's not cool for the Slayer to do it. <laughs> yeah, Xander and Cordelia meet up in the top top area. With uh, a casual, not bile-filled conversation. Yeah, they're actually, like, apologizing to each other for... I don't even actually remember what they're apologizing about. Probably some snarkiness. Yeah, he snapped on her a little bit earlier. And 
then they start kissing because that's what they do. And then, boom, just Willow, just crushed, standing there. Oh. And it crushed me, too. And I'm sure it crushed one sick puppy a little bit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but they kind of had a touching conversation. Because Cordelia beforehand says, like, you'd die for Buffy. You'd never die for me. Like, she meant it. And then, <laughs> and then he says, I'd die from you. Does that give me points? <laughs> yeah, at this point, uh, it struck me that they're um, pretty even ground. It's gone from, you know, her stooping to his level, and it's not quite where he's got the power in the relationship it's they're they're really they've got even footing at this point yeah, yeah. both into each other and they're both admitting it to some degree and they're actually starting slowly to become what some of us might view as a relationship <laughs> like because it started out just like stress kissing yeah like <laughs> making out out of hatred like there's nothing to it there's no chemistry there's no you know they just they screamed, I hate you, and then they followed it with a quick makeout session. And now they're slowly starting to actually develop into people who, in some way or another, care about each other. Yeah, that's never happened to me. I, I hate lots of people, and I've never got to make out with any of them. <laughs> I know. it's We were talking about that just in real life that just does not happen. It's It's unique to fiction, and it's actually not that unique within fiction either <laughs> yeah hate sex <laughs> <laughs> but uh willow runs out in the hall xander chases her and she just loses it so it's against all, all laws of god and man cordelia like the whole i hate cordelia club where you're the treasurer <laughs> and she says she has one great line well, he said, we're where just she, kissing it doesn't mean that much and her great response is you know, it means that you'd rather be with someone you hate than with me I cheered up at that line. I was like, that really actually hurt. <laughs> yeah, Willow has got to be the greatest but girlfriend Willow, in the world. Willow, yeah. you, 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 you were just on a date with Oz, like, yesterday. And just, I... <laughs> yeah, but she's been in love with this dude for years. You can't just... I mean, you know, Oz is great and everything, but he's second... Everybody's second to Xander at this point. Allison, you're killing me in this scene. Really good acting. Hurts... Uh. Yeah, and this is like where it exposed, you know, this is, and she says, like, I knew it, I didn't know it in the literal sense where I suspected anything at all, but I knew there was something I didn't know, and yeah, she, she did, in Bad Eggs, she started to suspect it, but she was also, like, loopy, <laughs> yeah, she was, like, stoned out of her mind on, like, facehuggers juice that she didn't notice anything, really. But, uh, she admitted her feelings to Xander. Yeah, so that is, that's big. That's a big moment right there. And meanwhile, Buffy's walking back her, to her house to close your eyes. Christophe which, Beck, love theme, beautiful music. I would, like, at this point, with how much it's played last episode and how much it will be played this episode, you'd think I'd get sick of that score, just that little piece of music, but no. It's just, oh, it's just sweet. It's just a little tinkly, pretty song. I hadn't uh, even noticed it. Go back and you'll notice it. Re-listen. <laughs> Made its official debut last episode. They had some variants of it before throughout the season. And then, yeah, Close Your Eyes debuted last episode, and now it's just ever-present. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, she Buffy... reaches her door and then just kind of decides to go to Angel's instead. She gets a fire in her belly. And she gets to Angel's place. He's there, shirtless. At first she doesn't think he is. He creeps around a corner shirtless. Yeah. and she. I was looking at his necklace this whole time because it... 
What is that? I keep thinking it's a cross, but why would he wear a cross necklace? That's just creepy stuff. Yeah, I thought the same thing. But uh, Buffy kisses him. She hugs him. She was so worried. And the worst part, he's playing it normal. He's, at first, he's like, hey, Buffy, how are you? Like, as if he's the same guy he always was. Yeah, and he's like, oh, no, you, you didn't have to worry. I'm so sorry and stuff like that. And then he starts starts with the cutting remarks. <laughs> now, this scene yeah, was... how could she not tell? I mean, she is, she is the slayer. And she is all in love with this dude. How could she not tell that something was... This is It's such a metaphor for, like... Like, it's, it's pretty heavy-handed. Like, the guy who doesn't call, you know, he just... He's in it for sex. But this is a lot more mystical in this situation. But, um, yeah, this scene was actually originally filmed outside. It took place outside of Angel's Place. They did a bunch of takes... And then they just, it's just, we can't do it. It sucks. We have to find another location. And they did it inside. And I think they did it in one take, maybe. But they nailed it. Because I think this scene's fantastic. I'm so excited to talk about it right now. But yeah, he just starts just cutting her down. I wrote down most of the things he said. Like, he said, like, what? I took off. And she said, well, you didn't say anything. You just left. He's like, you think I wanted to stick around after that? You got a lot to learn about men, kiddo, but I guess you proved that last night. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. It's, it's pretty hardcore. It's <laughs> like, and, oh, I, just, I don't know why, because, like, <laughs> in Nightmares, I had a similar reaction to just Buffy's dad, <laughs> like, telling her, like, this is just father-daughter thing is just not working out. Just... I don't know. I, I like Buffy as a character, but people just taking a shit on her just brings such a huge smile to my face. You're so <laughs> awful. That's not cool, dude. <laughs> I don't. I can't control this. <laughs> it's your curse. But it's a great scene. It was a joy to watch. <laughs> but he's like, "Hey, let's not talk about it all." It happened, and she's like crying hard. Like props to Sarah Michelle Gellar. And well, she can just like turn it on, like just boom, the waterworks. And she says. I, a line that always has stuck in my mind for whatever reason she's like was it me was i not good yeah that one kills me that's that's even worse than the the willow line before yeah because it reduces you know the slayer this all-powerful woman to like a insecure just teenager Nah, i'm not even thinking of her as a slayer at this point she's she's just a person and that's yeah. just you know it's i don't know uh a little too much information maybe, but I'm like of the last bastion of people that actually knew what virginity was and, you know, maintained it for any length of time. So I kind of, I kind of get that. I feel, you know, that something special happened and she's getting shit on, you know, you guys are a lot younger than I am. So with all your casual sex and whatnot, <laughs> throw throwing your junk around like it's uh, nobody's business. But uh, back in the old days, you know, that, that was actually something. So it's, uh, you know, she's she's invested a lot in this relationship and to get dumped on this soon, you know. For the record, I do think it's a big deal. And uh, <laughs> this, this episode proves, you know, that like, you know, I think this, this scene hinges on that fact too, that, it, you know, the first time is a big deal. And the, just the, the idea that he's treating it like, a, like, what, it was just another fling, you know. And... and he even says, like, hey, no, you were great, kid. You were a pro. But let's not make a big deal about it. And, oh. And then she's like, well, it is a big deal. And he's like, what? You want fireworks or, like, a dulcet choir of pretty little birdies? And he's laughing in her face. 
Yeah, he's basically just punching her in the face the whole time. It's a fight with no physical contact. Yeah. He's so deliciously evil. He's like, this is like, this is hardcore stuff. This is so mean. Like, he does this come naturally to Angelus? Does he plan this shit out? Oh, in his no, head? he's a... He is a master sadist. But they're both nailing it in the scene acting-wise. And different ends of the spectrum, too. Like, from Sarah Michelle Gellar's, like, heartbroken, sad, to David Boreanaz's, like, just, I don't care, charismatic, like, carefree attitude. Well, this was probably a huge relief for him <laughs> to actually get to bust out and just let loose with something besides puppy dog eyes. Yeah. yeah, he's he's probably feeling a lot of joy at this point, you know, and pouring it all into this demonic performance. Yeah, it hurts my heart. And he says, like, come on, puppy, it's not like I've never been there before. And so she flinches away from him because why would she let him touch her? And she says, I love you. And he says, he kind of like finger guns, like, love you too. Yeah, like, hey, love you. <laughs> and he's like, I'll call you sometime. And like, just leaves. Waltzes out. Leaves her I- in his own place. No, Joss, he said that's actually, like, his favorite scene, like, ever. But he and felt like a bastard for writing it. Yeah, he, he's, he specifically said, he said, Senior Angel has become jealous, but he's pretending he's not, and he's just had a one-night stand with Buffy and it destroys her. He came to her and said, you know, why are you being a big deal out of it, when he acted like a guy? He said, I wrote that scene and I thought, I might be a worse person than I ever imagined because I'm able to write this scene. I think I just tapped into somebody really horrible and it came really easily. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jenny's gypsy uncle is spouting gypsy bullshit. Yeah, I like this guy. Now, I wasn't around for you guys to talk about him before, but Vincent Chiavelli, you would think he'd be a big horror actor, but he's actually really not if you look at his uh Right. No, he's like one sheet. over the cuckoo's nest. And like... Yeah, he's uh, he was in Batman Returns, and he actually played a really creepy part in The X-Files. But... Uh, you know, for the most part, he shows up in comedy and drama. Yeah, he's really—he's a really good actor, but I really don't like his accent in this role. <laughs> yeah, it's him, pretty crappy. I've seen him credited as the man with the sad eyes once. <laughs> oh, really? That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's a good I, thing to be known as. <laughs> yeah, but, back in the day, you know, back in the seventies and eighties, when he would have been starting up, you could look like anything and get a job. You didn't have to be pretty. Yeah. Well, and uh, there's a lot of weird people, like strange-looking people, back in uh, in older stuff. Uh, he was that's why he got so much work. But it yeah. was just, you know, I don't think you'd really get him in much besides horror today. That's true. I'm pretty sure his first, or at the very least, one of his first roles was in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest in the '70s, and he played a like a a patient at an asylum so I mean, like, he was there with christopher lloyd and danny devito so they weren't really looking for pretty actors <laughs> yeah but uh, yeah he says it's too late or he kind of talks down to jenny's and she reveals that she tried to keep them apart buffy and angel but there were other factors that had come in here and uh he said it's too late for angel to stop the judge one moment of true happiness where his soul does not plague his thoughts, and his soul's gone. So this guy's name's Uncle Anios, but I don't think they ever say that ever. I don't either. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I that that kind of I kind of have a little bit of, of a problem with that because you know uh, Angel's true moment of happiness, although it doesn't necessarily occur at orgasm, 
you know, it, sex has to be involved. And he's actually sleeping when he loses his soul. So it's not like he's laying in bed thinking about how happy he is or how wonderful his relationship is. <laughs> Maybe it's, Buffy had nothing to do with it and he just had a really good dream. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, why did he not come to this point of, of happiness, you know, when they kissed or, you know, before the sex had to happen? It's just kind of, you know. <laughs> yeah, he just having a really good dream. Every time like, he has a good dream, just something happens. It's a meter that slowly fills up, like the Sims like sleep bar. And just once it reaches a point, you, you it's collective happiness that you gotta accumulate mm. over time. But uh, Angelus is back, Jana. Yana. Oh. But uh, she's like Buffy loves him, and now she'll have to kill him. And props to Robbie's acting here, though she is really good. In this scene, I thought, like, because she doesn't really have much to do in any other scene. She's just calm, chill, computer science teacher. And here she got to yell a little bit, a little bit, not much. I don't know. She's gone from hot to to being the enemy at this point. I can't really appreciate her too much. Yeah, she's yeah, she's like everything that as people who have a podcast about Buffy, everything we stand yeah. against. <laughs> but uh. Yeah, he said it's not justice we serve, it's vengeance, and people will have to die. And he, he's, he's aware that, you know, what he's doing is not making any sense. He's just, you know, you have that sense of duty, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, this is like hundreds of years of hatred, dude. Like, <laughs> I wonder... you, Your grandparents were like maybe alive when this happened. I don't think so. I don't know, how, how long ago was this Gypsy Curse thing? Well, Angel's about 270 at this point, so it's been three or four generations. But I don't know if you guys touched on that in the last episode. Uh, you know, at this point, Buffy is having sex with a guy that's approximately 16 times her age. <laughs> Did you mention that? No. Because this is like the ultimate statutory rate. It's pretty messed up. We do constantly call attention to the fact, to the, you know, the huge age difference. At the very least, you know, he's like 20-something, and she's 17, so, you know, I personally don't think that's such a big deal, but being, you know, 250 years older than somebody, that's that's got a little creepy to it. (laughs) But uh, in the hallway later at school, Xander stops Willow, who's coming back, returning, and she's a... A kind of cutting little monologue. He's like, let's get this straight. I don't understand it. I don't want to understand it. You have gross emotional problems and things are not okay between us. But what's happening right now is more important. And I was like, mm, I don't, I want things to be okay. I just want this. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of just like, okay, this is a messed up situation. But there's a bigger problem right now because there's a guy going around incinerating the human race. Which I would say is mature of her, but... You know, she could die. So maybe it's just, you know, maybe she's being sensible. <laughs> yeah, Xander kind of confirms, oh, no, new information. They all say the same thing. No weapon force can kill him. Army. And then he kind of, you know, gets inspiration. He gets he gets a thought. Yeah, that's definitely a thought. Now I'm forming a plan. But yeah, he's, he's pretty off. ingenious. Yeah, then the lights go off, and he's like, now I have a Wiggins. And... Uh, so they're, they're kind of worried, but before they see Angelus, they're hidden in the shadows, acting like Angel, like, hey guys, what's up? Why are the lights off? Yeah, like, <laughs> like he doesn't know. 
And then he's like, hey, guys, you got something really cool to show you. Just come over here. Xander, yeah. go get everyone else. Willow, just come here. It's really cool. I don't know why, like, he could he could do better than that. <laughs> like, he could do, like, hey, I think I found something that's, you know, going to kill the judge. Come follow me. But no, he's like, hey, I got something really cool. You're going to like it. It's crazy. Check this out. Like, he's mugging for the, the audience at this point. I yeah. mean, it's, you know, I, I just think it's funny. Yeah. And so Willow starts to walk towards him, but Jenny just shows up and, like, screams like hey no no get away yeah with the same amount of emotion i just put into that <laughs> but uh, she's like, what are you talking about it's just angel and jealous because he creeps out of the shadows and he's full of vamp face yeah and he grabs her and he's about to kill her when buffy arrives and saves the day and i like his angel's like don't do that he's like oh i think i do that <laughs> yeah and just don't do that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't i didn't quite understand why he said that <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he thinks it's still just Angel messing around. I'm sense. sure it is, yeah. I'm sure he thinks he's playing a bad joke, actually. And so Buffy yeah, shows up, and he makes it pretty pretty clear that uh, he's uh, not, so, not so good and that he intends to kill all her friends. <laughs> he says he's gonna, he has a message for Buffy. He's like, well, I'm right here. What is it? He's like, well, it's not really the kind of message you tell. It's more the message of where you kill all your friends and leave their bodies for you to find. Hmm. Which would have been really cool had it actually happened. <laughs> you know. Yeah, but that's so messed up, though. <laughs> and it's just, he's, he's so sadistic. It's just that... I mean, he's he revels in it. He excels at it. It's just yeah. This is his forte. He should have stuck like this. This is what he's good at. It's like the whole time I'm I'm, you know, he, he's he's planning and and screwing with them. The whole time I'm sitting here thinking about what he did to Drusilla, and it's just you know this is a it's his hobby. It's his you know his art is just destroying things. Yeah. I I think <laughs> if I was a vampire. I, I would like to think that I'd be as creative and just in, in, as as passionate and creative as Angelus is. Just something you this. strive for. Well, if I had no soul, you know, right now I'm firmly in the camp of killing people is probably wrong. Probably. Nah, come on. <laughs> it's 2015. <laughs> but you know, I think if I was a soulless being that needed to kill people to stay alive, uh, I'd, I'd probably, I'd yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd just have some fun with it. I'd gotta do it anyway. This is the stuff I sit around and think about all the time. <laughs> You're like, what kind of vampire would I be? You're like, am I more Spike or am I more Dalton? <laughs> But uh, well, honestly, I'd probably be more like Dalton, which is a disappointing thought. But uh, yeah, Xander gets, or Buffy tries to get Angel to leave Willow alone. Xander holds a cross to him, and uh, he he like drops Willow and just kisses Buffy. Super creepy. He's like things are about to get very interesting, and then like ominously backs away out the doors. Well, he like. First he like tosses Willow to the ground, and then he like, yeah. kisses Buffy and like throws her against the wall. And he just kind of walks yeah, and away let's, backwards. Let's point out that Xander could have prevented all this. 
because he sneaks up behind him with a wooden cross in his hand and then walks around him and holds the cross up. Yeah. Yeah, he like holds the cross like to the air in front of him like it's a magnet. And it's like, no, if you touch him with this, it will burn him. <laughs> yeah, because he's, he's sneaking up and I'm thinking he's going to stick it on his face. But, I mean, he could have staked him. He had the opportunity. For some reason, Angelus did not hear him creeping up with his super yeah. vampire senses. But, you know, if you had just thought a little bit harder, you know, the, re- the whole rest of the season would have been over. <laughs> you could have ended also, season two. Yeah, he couldn't have burned his face because David Boreanaz is a lead actor, and that's the money maker. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Buffy doesn't look okay emotionally. Yeah, she's pretty devastated, just in the corner. Has that ever happened to either of you? No. Like you what? sleep, you sleep with somebody, they turn into a vampire, and they just mess with you after that. I, I think I, I think I'd I rather not talk that, about it. <laughs> I think I have joked that one that my ex was a vampire, but but <laughs> she got me into Buffy. So kudos. <laughs> but uh, later at the library, Giles can't even believe it. He doesn't know what he, he doesn't know what to believe. He's like, "What are we gonna do?" He's like, "Well, I'm leaning towards blind panic." <laughs> yeah, which is pretty yeah. bad if Giles says that. Well, yeah, I don't like. Like, okay, I think Cordelia points out, it's like, we, we got this guy here trying to destroy the world, and now Angel is on their side. <laughs> well, yeah, there's just too much going on at once. Yeah. I think it's Willow... really important that they are talking more about Angelus showing up than they are about Spike showing up. That's, I mean, Spike has killed two Slayers, and Angelus shows up, and he is still the bigger problem. Yeah. Yeah, well, he even he, as soon as he makes his like grand entrance, he seems like more of a threat than Spike. <laughs> like he just the way he carries himself, <laughs> like, he's pretty larger than life. I guess Spike is as well, but it's like Spike aspires to be jealous. But uh, I really like how Willow, despite herself like being really shaken, not okay by everything that's happened this episode, goes to Buffy and says, "Are you okay? Is there anything I can do?" That was so Bill sweet. Is- Buffy's kind of like playing with her Clada ring and Close Your Eyes is playing, so... And Willow's like, hey, that's their love theme song. I'm going to go talk to her. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they kind of get talking about it and then she realizes, how did you know to Jenny? And she kind of yeah. panics a bit. She's like, oh, I, I saw his vamp face. And then they change the subject quickly. <laughs> I saw his vamp face from another room when it was dark. <laughs> and you didn't when you were standing right in front of him. And she also, like, she screams it, like, she, like, opens the door to yell it. Like, she was not in the room. <laughs> Bad She excuse. just saw, like, the silhouette of Angel. And like, oh, that's probably not good. It's a bad excuse. And so Giles uh, kind of points out something had to set off this transformation, you know, but they don't really know what it was. And Buffy instantly realizes what it was. And she has to go. <laughs> and, yeah, Buffy, she just... Run. They they kind of push her on it, and she's like, boom, just runs out the door. And Willow... Yeah, she, well, she kind of, yeah, as soon as she realizes, like, okay, I gotta return some videotapes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and then Willow, you know, Giles is like, what, what's going on? And Willow just, she realizes, too. She's like, Giles, shut up. I loved that. And Cordy says they've now hit bottom. And Xander's like, wait, I have a plan. She's like, no, now we've hit bottom. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and 
so he says, yeah, he's a plan to defeat the judge. Uh, he needs Cordelia's help, which Willow seems kind of unamused by. And yeah. says, they need a car. She's like, oh, I got a car. He's like, well, we need something bigger. So Willow's like, oh, Oz is a van. Almost like a, she almost says it like competitively. Like, you're bringing Cordelia, I'll bring Oz. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I like how he says he can't tell Cordelia why or she won't do it. Because <laughs> they just meet at my place in half an hour and wear something trashy. Er. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, then they're like, well, what about Buffy and Jenny and Willow kind of say, yeah, she needs some time alone. And then I think Giles says, like, I can't bear to think of what she's going through. And then it gets to... Angelus telling Spike and Drew the story, presumably, saying you should have seen your her face. Spike's just kind of pissed that Angel didn't, you know, kill her. <laughs> yeah. See, we do kill people still. <laughs> but Drew realizes with like way too much glee in her heart that Angel wants to torture her like he did to me. And <laughs> she's jabbing out Miss Edith's eyes. <laughs> Yeah, and the the doll is wearing a uh, a gag. Did you yeah. notice that? Yeah, that all was, her dogs are all her dolls are gagged or blindfolded. It's super creepy. That's but, my girl. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, she loves it. She loves that angels messing with Buffy. And, and uh, I like how says, Angel starts berating Spike. Like kind of like she's stronger than any slayer you've ever faced. Like you got to work on the inside. You don't know what you're up against. Kill her, you have to love her. So speak of so, the sadness. <laughs> yeah, so Buffy's going home, closed your eyes, playing. <laughs> yeah, her and room she, looks really huge in this scene. Yeah. And maybe it's just the like the angle of the shot. Maybe they yeah, I, I think it's shy lens. <laughs> he was in the corner of that room and I think uh, I think they actually spread it out because except for the episode where uh she's trying on dresses for the date. Uh, you know, even that show, they show that same angle, and it doesn't seem as big to me. Yeah, but uh, she sees the cross necklace the angel gave her. She can barely hold it in, and she sees the canard ring and goes to take it off and just starts sobbing. Yeah, she. This is like her final attempt to hold herself together, and she just like oh, it it upset me greatly. I didn't cry as a man. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh, no I, I didn't cry but I was uh, very upset and she yeah she's just like sobbing on her bed uncontrollably and just after this scene they actually had to take up. a 25 minute break for Sarah Michelle Geller to calm herself down because she just couldn't stop crying wow well yeah. I know that she like she's a huge like Buffy Angel shipper like probably the biggest one in the world <laughs> well, so you'd assume <laughs> <laughs> so and I, I know that a lot of the scenes involving those two really really got to her and so she eventually falls asleep or we assume because she appears to be in a dream <laughs> she cries herself to sleep yeah and wacky slayer like, dreams <laughs> it starts out with her just you know her and angel sharing the night that shared it's you know it's, it's it's, I'm pretty sure it's the same footage of them making love earlier. Their fateful night. But fun fact, this makes me so happy. This is the, the moaning is not Sarah Michelle Gellar and David Boreanaz. It's Joss and the sound editor Cindy Rabideau because they felt it would be really awkward to ask the actors to come in and do ADR of them just moaning. 
So they just did it themselves in the sound booth. That's funny. <laughs> oh, I know Joss is like he. The reason he didn't direct Cabin in the Woods, though he wrote it with uh, with uh, Drew Barrymore. I don't remember his name. Drew Goddard. <laughs> Drew, Drew, Drew Barrymore is not a man. <laughs> is but the reason he didn't do that, didn't direct that movie, is because. This scene made him realize how very uncomfortable he was directing sex scenes. Because, you know, this is a TV and, show where the actors you see every day, it probably would be pretty weird. And apparently, yeah, just David and Sarah, super professional, joking about it. But, like, Joss was really embarrassed and, like, they kept making fun of him. And, yeah, to the point where he did, then they had to record the ADR footage of them, uh, them moaning and he didn't even ask them to come in. <laughs> We smash cut to Buffy at a funeral. Angel's outside, even though it's day, so that's how we know it's a dream. And he tells her, you have to know what to see. And she looks over and sees Jenny raising her black funeral veil. Slayer dreams. Yeah, I I wanted to mention that because I think the Slayer dream is something that is, you know, it's it's brought up early on, but it's really underused in the series. It's almost like, oh, we've kind of got a, a little problem linking these scenes here. Oh, Slayer Dream. Yeah. But it's it's yeah. not actually reliable. It's it's not like Spider Sense. And so the next day, Buffy uh you know, says good morning to Jenny by <laughs> by going to the front of the class while class is in session and just choking her out on the desk. Yeah. And one student's like, should I you know call the principal? Like like and she's like, what do you know? Did you change him? And she admits that she didn't know exactly. Yeah, I have this this fantasy every time I see this scene that, you know, when she slams her down on the desk, they just start making out. <laughs> it doesn't happen. And it's not in the deleted scenes either. No matter how many times you watch it, it never happens. It never. Yeah, she was told. And she, was, she admits she was sent here to watch Buffy and keep her and Angel apart. Giles is in shock. And... You know, in the past, I was upset at Jenny because she was upset at John. This is going to get tricky. In the episode, uh, The Dark Age, Jenny is super upset with Giles, super destined towards him because they get in a dangerous situation and because of his past. Now, the reason I was so upset of her, at her back then is because her past is just as bad or worse and doing just as much bad things. And yeah, she was upset at him, and then she's like, why are you upset at me? Keeping secrets from each other. What I don't understand is, like, she said, like, oh, yeah, I was, you know, I'm a gypsy. <laughs> hey, guys. She's a gypsy. I'm a gypsy. My name's Yana Calderash. And they're like, hi, Yana. But, no, she, she says, like, hey, I'm from the gypsy clan that cursed Angel, and I'm here to make sure that he stays a good guy. And they're like, how could you? You made him evil. It's like, no, I was here to make sure he stayed a good guy. <laughs> and then Buffy came and f***ed <laughs> it up. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> but Angel's, she's like, Angel's supposed to pay for what he did to my people. And so Buffy, you know, what was I supposed to be paying for, huh? Super in her face. But she realizes for sure that this was her fault. Yeah, which, and not Jenny's, so chill. <laughs> and Jenny, because Jenny explains the curse, and Giles is like, well, how do you know you were responsible? And she kind of gives him a look, and, oh, which is super awkward, a little bit. 
Yeah, but pay attention right at that moment. He takes his glasses off and does that thing. <laughs> yeah, really, yeah. And, if I don't see know, it, it's not there. <laughs> well, I, I never actually caught on to that before. You know, they comment on that, that he does that whenever something goes on. But I actually saw it today, and I was <laughs> so happy when I saw it. I'd never noticed it before, and I, and I, was, I was so proud of myself today. <laughs> <laughs> Buffy's asked Jenny to curse Angel again, and she can't. The magic's long gone. It can't be done. She can't help. Nobody can. And then she's like, well, then take me to someone who can. And it's like, holy sh**, Buffy, if you listen to a single goddamn thing I've been saying. Well, we cut to, to Gypsy Uncle smoking. It's like reclining, smoking to chill him, and he's like, I knew she would bring you. I suppose you want answers. And chill him. Yeah, he's like, I knew she'd bring you, and then I'm sure you want answers, and it's Angel. And he's like, no, not exactly. Well, thanks for the offer. Oh, sh**. Yeah, and there's actually a cut scene there where they have a little bit of a, like, it's you, and they go, oh, you're going to hurt my feelings, and it's kind of, I'm glad they cut it. <laughs> I think it's kind of weird, though, that he's so gleeful that he has been, you know, he has lost his soul, or he's gotten, I'm so confused, that he's lost <laughs> his soul again, and uh, instead of, you would think that if they want him to suffer and, and you know, be tortured, that as soon as he made his transition they'd be trying to figure out how to put him back but it, you know it's it's not really vengeance at this point it becomes justice because he wants him to die and it i don't know he's not consistent with his theme <laughs> no. do you get what i'm saying do you see yeah what i mean yeah meanwhile we don't see what happens at a military base military people are doing military things and then a van pulls up a, a non-military van I feel like this set is the bronze set, but shot from the other side. Which is possible. Maybe. Xander and the gang show up in Oz's van, and Xander goes to sneak in with Cordy. And, and he, then, boom. He's like, the security here's a joke, I should report it. And it's like, I don't know why he said that, to be honest. Because he said it like as a joke, but nobody else really like gets it or thinks it's funny. It's kind of like just a fact. <laughs> <laughs> and then he gets caught by a soldier, by a soldier boy. No. Who cocks his gun but does not point it at them. Yeah. He goes to sneak in the security area and halt, identify yourself. So he lies, sort of, that he's Private Harris from the 33rd, but he's on leave, so that's why he's not doing maneuvers today. Which, yeah, I guess he was only there for one day. He's been on leave since Halloween. <laughs> I think it's a really good uh, piece of writing, though, that he remembered what happened yeah. back in the Halloween episode. You know, once he transitioned, I think that that's a credit to, I don't know, Josh or Robert or whatever, whichever. Do you think Buffy remembers the bubonic plague since she was a noblewoman? I think Willow remembers dying. <laughs> yeah, that's it's so weird. It's so, I don't know. The people, Do all the so kids this, remember being demons and vampires? <laughs> does the like, guy dressed up in a Mexican taco outfit remember being a taco? <laughs> That's so many scary. Questions. I'm going to dream and, about that tonight. Thanks. <laughs> and still going back to that, like that was a spec script. Like that was just some random freelancer and looked like not only with the inclusion of Ethan rain, but even like with this episode, how much that episode continues to affect the Buffy universe. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, ripples. They ask like, Who's she? And Cordelia, hi, I'm not a soldier, right? <laughs> and 
Xander just wants to give her the tour, get her all hot and bothered, and so you want to turn a blind eye, which, uh, and he's like, "Why would I do that?" So he just points out all his military flaws. Yeah, which is like, absurd. Your boots are not <laughs> regulation. You you hold your gun like a sissy. <laughs> I don't remember all of it. And so he's like, "You got twenty minutes, Nimrod." And he's like, "I just need five. Forget I said that." <laughs> yeah. But the secured area is completely unlocked. Yeah. He got, you know, there's, there's no keypad. There's no, he doesn't have to unlock it for him. It's just a, a door. <laughs> but he does mention that he still remembers all the security codes and layout of the place. That's so true. if there was one, he'd know it. <laughs> but, uh, Gordy's like, so does looking at guns really make girls want to have sex? That's scary. He's like, I guess. I'm just, Looking at guns make you want to have sex? Great line. I'm 17. Looking at linoleum makes me want to have sex. <laughs> this is like. But in all fairness, though, linoleum is pretty sexy. <laughs> I would. I just I love the dialogue in this episode. It's really just funny and well done. Was it Was it Joss Whedon who did this episode? He did. Yeah, he wrote and directed. But in the van, Oz like, so you guys steal weapons lots. <laughs> I mean, we don't have cables, so we make our own fun. <laughs> yeah, that's how you can oh, tell okay. it's a Jaws episode. <laughs> and then she just kind of asks him, "Hey, do you want to make out?" <laughs> what? He... Forget it. But do you? <laughs> Stuff and that so also he... never happens. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is this great story. This is one thing I like about Oz is just how like, like his feelings for Willow just like. Boom, like, never, never hides them. He doesn't pussyfoot around it. You know, he just, like, from the moment, you, you know, he's, he's it's clear that he likes Willow, and he's not shy about that fact. You know, even with yeah, the but, last episode, when he's talking about, like, hey, I'm going to ask you out, but I'm kind of nervous about it. And, like, <laughs> yeah, Oz and, is like, cooler even, than Frank Sinatra. He is just <laughs> completely badass. And yeah, he tells the great speech of sometimes when I'm in class, I think about kissing you, like freeze frame, willow kissage. <laughs> but yeah. he's like, oh, I'm not going to kiss you. And she's like, well, why but freeze frame? He's like, well, to the casual observer, it appears you want to make Xander jealous. And that's on the empty side. <laughs> it's like, in my fantasy, when I'm kissing you, you're kissing me. I can wait. And I was like, oh my, like Willow's face here too is pretty much my face. Just pure adoration. Like, wow, this guy's the real deal. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I'm pretty like, sure yeah, Oz is the first guy I ever fell in love with. <laughs> it's just like pure respect and like adoration on her face. Like, like wow, that's the yeah, that's so he's such a bro, and he's just he's so cool. As I watch him from beh- at Barney's from behind a pillar, just no, but Oz the, is the he's guy like a, we want to be. I say that very often. <laughs> real life KK Slider. He's just everyone wants to be Oz, and. Real life, he's fictional still. Anyway. <laughs> but I got goosebumps because I just love them so much. They're the greatest. It's play- starts playing this little song that I actually played earlier when Willow discovered uh, Cordelia and Xander kissing. It's almost like like Willow's like mini love theme. It's like l- the first three notes are in or close your eyes in a different key, but then it goes off into its own thing. And so that that repeats through the episode like in little Willow scenes. I couldn't find the name of it anywhere. But yeah, it was cool. It's like like the 
The Willow spinoff on Close Your Eyes. <laughs> There's like three episodes that I pay attention to the music from, unless it's somebody playing on stage at the Bronze. I like and, Christoph Beck as a composer. I guess. Well, honestly, before he entered the series, I didn't pay attention to it. And for the most part, when he exits the series, I won't call attention to it either. Yeah, Buffy, Jenny, and Giles go to visit Uncle Enyos Kaldrash for answers. And I they that, find I that, hate how you said that. If I found that Angelus says, uh. Been there. He's a, he helter skeltered all over the place. It, Human Death Count 2, there's blood on the wall that says, Was it good for you? Which is super creepy and just rude. Yeah, Angel has got really good penmanship. <laughs> and Buffy's like, Well, I know what I have to do now. Kill him. Because a woman yeah. scorned. And, yeah, they killed my <laughs> old. My teacher's Romanian uncle, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, Giles says, oh, he's trying to make it harder for you. And she's like, oh, no, it's he's definitely making it easier <laughs> Like in the idea that I have to kill him now. At the baddies' base, the judge is finally ready. And Spike kind of wishes his friends a goodbye. Kind of weird that he has to do that. And Angel, to the judge, <laughs> as they're leaving, don't you look spiffy? <laughs> Yeah, and they just kind of leave with the wheelchair bound spike behind. <laughs> I like the judge, like spiffy. <laughs> I I actually use that word. I don't. I was thinking tonight. I wonder how much this series affected the way we speak. I I I always think about that. I'm sure it does significantly. A lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> reportedly, the word like googled is not a word. Yeah, googled as like a verb. Like, hey, have you tried googling her? Like, Googling her name. Apparently, that's from Buffy, so... Yeah, at the library, Xander brings, brings Buffy a huge birthday present. <laughs> they hope you like the color, and she does. She thinks it's great. But we don't see what it is. Right. It does not yeah, make her want to have sex, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're wondering what it might be. Uh, and Jenny... And Jenny oh, offers... This hurts. She offers to help... And, like, okay, I'm still Cap Jenny for this because in my eyes, yeah, I get the whole, like, why Giles might be kind of f***ed off because they both kind of, they didn't so much lie as they just omitted important details. But so what Giles, wrong with you? There's something got... fundamentally wrong with your brain. <laughs> I Seriously, agree. she is a, she is a turncoat. She's, she's a weasel. How could you She's say doing no. wrong. You were no, super no. against Giles in the same situation when he left out his past. She she lurked she, and she lied and she got close to people and she she made you have feelings and you know the whole time she's just was dirty gypsy to spy. Angel her <laughs> No, you fell for her crap. Is to ensure Angel sir. <laughs> retains his soul. I'm liking she's this. There, she's there to ensure that Angel retains his soul. And she's like, oh, hey, I'm the I'm a good guy here, and I want to help you guys do good guy things. And they're like, f*** off, Jenny. And she's like, but I'm your teacher. And Giles is like, f*** off, Jenny. <laughs> yeah, she asks if there's anything she can do. Buffy what? says, get out. And then she's like, but I just want to help. And Giles like, she said, get out. I was like, whoa, Innocence, the destroyer of every happy couple. Ever. I can get I, why Giles I really is like the, the, I don't the, think she deserves no. this from Buffy, though. Just stop talking. 
<laughs> Xander says he'll teach Buffy how to use the mystery item. And uh, they go to the base. Spikel is hiding around a corner in his wheelchair. They think, and they're like, well, if they're not here, where are they going to go? And they're like, well, it's got to be somewhere crowded. And the bronze is closed. And Oz, if I was going to line up, I know where I'd go. So cut to the mall. Yeah, the one appearance of the, the Sunnydale Mall. <laughs> yeah, and it's like a like a movie theater mall thing. Like one of those ones with like a... Built-in theater. Yeah, the little yeah you don't even know at first that it's a mall until later in the scene, I don't think. Yeah. But uh, vamps open up the doors. The judge instantly burns uh, modern-day Chevy Chase. Yeah, he's just some old dude and just, boom, just vapes him. Human death count three, and don't use vapes like it means kill somebody. Vaporizes. And then Jell's... Like, you vape, bro. <laughs> and Jell's like, lock the exit, boys, and then just... Let's go wild. And the judge starts to, like, do this weird, like, ping-pong burning thing, like... Yeah, he starts He's to try, which initially has no effect on anyone. They just kind of stop, <laughs> like they're uh, like they're flash mobbing, and they all freeze at the same time. But uh, Buffy and, and the then, gang are doing their badass power walk to the big battle, like they did in Prophecy Girl, but without the cool theme song playing. And then, uh, yeah, the judge is trying to sap everyone, and all of a sudden, there's an arrow in him. He's like, "Who dares?" And how does nobody in this mall notice him there? <laughs> yeah, I at the point that he stops actually zapping everybody there's somebody in the crowd that's that's like oh what's happening what's going on californians man yeah, <laughs> yeah. they're all the arrow and he's like who dares no matter no weapon can harm me it's like okay, then why did you stop why did you <laughs> allow yourself to be distracted and like just now right there though, killing these people <laughs> a crossbow is not forged so yeah, why exactly. wouldn't that kill him and then, uh, yeah, Buffy stands up on the table. She's like, that was then. And whips on a rocket launcher. This is now. Which is Xander's present. Yeah, at the time she pulls out the bazooka, are you not just yelling at the... The first time you saw this, are you not just yelling at the TV? That is so badass. And just... Yeah. Uh, that's amazing writing right there. Just... this. Uh, oh, I just love the bazooka. It's the coolest <laughs> And it starts playing uh, Christoph Beck's uh, epic piece, What's That Do? Which we'll find out what, why it's called that shortly. And then it just goes into slow motion. The gang like hides down, crutches down, and Drusilla and Angel kind of look at each other and like, oh, sh**. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. They run. <laughs> I noticed that there's a... Drusilla's got a reflection in the scene, too, in the background. It stunt Drusilla, so maybe it doesn't matter. <laughs> but yeah, you can totally tell, though, in the if you look at the scenes where they're running, like the slow-mo scenes of Angel and Drusilla running... You look at the judge; it's not Mister Brian Thompson. It's actually a statue, very clearly. When in the scenes where they're running, it's like See, I don't look at that because when they're vaulting over the the rail, I'm looking at Juliet Lando <laughs> every that, time. She pulls out the rocket launcher, and the judge, what's that do? And boom, fires a rocket, which has no kickback apparently, to the Slayer. She <laughs> can hold Slayer. her own, and uh, Angel and Drew dive the balcony while the judge explodes. Yeah. Which, it actually, if you watch, the rocket blows up just before it hits him. You know, the commentary is really confused. I don't know if they actually fired a real rocket, but from the sounds of it, they had to blow up the rocket before it hit him or it would. Maybe wreck the statue or something. They I don't think they wreck wrecked the weird. statue. <laughs> That's pretty intense. Shooting rocket launchers at statues while stunt people dive away. 
In slow motion, too. <laughs> and so the judge is now a million little charcoal pieces, which is a demon death count of one. Did he really die, though? He can't die. It's hard to say. I'm going to count it because unless he's reassembled, he's dead right now. I don't know. Drusilla's reaction to that, though, is just fantastic. She kind of gets she's, frustrated. She's a little <laughs> her, distressed. Her little screaming, freaked out, whimper kind of thing. Just, it's <laughs> awesome. And uh, Buffy's like, best present ever. And Xander's like, I knew you'd like it. And uh, Buffy orders them to pick up the pieces and keep them separate, which Cordelia is not happy about. <laughs> yeah, that kind of bugs me because when they initially blow him up, there's like little rocks and pebbles and, you know, just tiny little pieces of him. But then all of a sudden there's still limbs left. Yeah. And I, I kind of don't like that. But uh, she peeks around the corner looking for Angel trying to stop him. Into the movie theater part, and uh, he just pops her one. Quest for Camelot posters. Yeah, there yeah, is. that's that's the only coming attraction. <laughs> yeah, it's like every wall in the future, different... all movies will be Quest for Camelot. <laughs> like every, because you know, there's like it's supposed to be a bunch of different movie posters, but it does all the walls, all the posters are Quest for Camelot, <laughs> but, uh... except for one which has a trash bag in it. <laughs> and yeah, Angel pops her. And he's like, you know what? I know what the worst part was? Pretending that I loved you. If I knew how easy you'd give it up, I wouldn't have bothered. And they kind of tussle in the rain. And by rain, I mean sprinklers. I feel like it was supposed to be shot outside. And they're like, let's just set off the sprinklers from the judge's burning flesh. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, she's she's like, oh, I know you're not the man I loved. Your, words, your word voodoo doesn't work on me anymore. And he says, you know, I don't believe you because... I don't know. He made me who I am and so I like forth. How in the middle of this argument slash fight, there's a comic relief break where Oz is just standing there like, uh, arm. <laughs> like he wants yeah. somebody else to pick it up for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so they're fighting. Buffy manages to overpower Angel and pulls out a stake. But she can't bring and, herself to do it. Yeah, Angelus, Angel, Angelus. He's like, you, you, I know you can't do it. You don't got the balls. And so she kicks him in the balls. Would that hurt and a vampire? We'll never know. They have nerve endings. Mm, we'd have to do some research into that. <laughs> they can feel pain still. <laughs> but she's like, give me time as he's like dropping to the floor. And then what happens? Does she just leave him there? I guess, yeah. Like, yeah. we don't really see what happens after that point. Yeah, because then we cut to Giles driving Buffy home, and... Uh, the crickets outside she, are overwhelming, by the way, so loud. I used to have crickets in my apartment, and I was like, stop, <laughs> stop, this is Vietnam flashbacks. But, what? but she, Buffy feels pretty bad for putting her friends in danger because she's never done that before. And Giles assures her. He has this great little speech. He's like, you know, do you want me to say you acted you know, rash and irresponsible? You did, and I can. You know, but you know, you loved him, and he showed on more than one occasion that he loved you. And you know, great little speech. He's like, I don't great blame you. monologue. I love it. He's talking about how like the coming months are going to be hard, but if it's guilt you're looking for, I'm not your man. All you get from me is support and respect. And I was like, wow. What a great necessary speech at the end of this episode. And she just starts to cry. Was my dad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
And then uh, she starts crying again. And then at home, she's watching a musical with her mommy. Um, yeah, it has like Robert Young. Stowaway. In it. Stowaway. And oh, that has a uh, Shirley, Shirley Temple, Temple in it too. Yeah. And they didn't have a real cake, so her mom made cupcakes, which is fine because that's the the trend now in the 2010 era. She's like, "Oh, what'd you do for your birthday? You have fun?" She's like, "I got older." Well, you look the same to me. It's trying yeah, to be super mom there just has no clue that her daughter's all f***ed up inside and just about <laughs> to break down. And she's just sitting there watching a freaking musical, waving cupcakes around. A love musical, too. I'm <laughs> happy with But uh, they light the candle, and she's like, happy birthday, make a wish. And she's like, I'll just let it burn. And yeah, that's just, a great line. They just kind of <laughs> cuddle on the couch until... Let it burn! Yeah, but until you hear her say that, you never realize that that's an option. <laughs> like, you don't have to blow your candles out. I'm not being funny. That never occurred to anybody until Buffy said it. And I'm just like, wow. Yeah, you're like, what if I don't want to make a goddamn wish? What if I don't want to find out how many girlfriends I'm going to get? Like, just let the candles burn. <laughs> what if I don't want to eat this cake right now and I like my cake with wax on top? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, but they just kind of cuddle on the couch. Buffy's mom strokes her hair. The music swells up, a big love song, and then it just ends. Fantastic episode. Yeah, I was, I was trying to, I, I was reading on Wikipedia. Maybe you got it better than I did, but they were there was some really poorly written, convoluted uh, connection between this and another episode, and it was like, you know. Uh, Spike calls her something, and it's related to Shirley Temple. I and, did. I, I couldn't understand it. Yeah, I, I kind of skimmed over that. It was something, I think, when he calls her Rebecca of Sunny Hill Farm. Yeah. Is that some, in some way, a connection to Shirley Temple? And Shirley Temple, uh, I guess she was in, yeah, she's in this movie. So, but yeah, that's, wow. Yeah, there's cool. somebody solved the mystery. that's, like, <laughs> like really lonely somewhere that wrote that. <laughs> Just solved like a... the mystery itself. <laughs> so, episodes done. Innocence. Yeah, so this is actually Joss Whedon's personal favorite episode. And, and uh, also Christine Sutherland's favorite episode. Yeah, it's it's a really good episode. And it's actually the highest rated Buffy episode ever, according to the Nielsen ratings, which are flukes, essentially. Uh, and No, it's just how many people tune in. <laughs> yeah, but that doesn't mean, like, highest rating, that means most people watch, but it doesn't necessarily mean the best. Yeah. No, but it's not a fluke. Well, it's kind of fluke because people don't really like only they only know because of the advertising. There could be a fantastic episode that's way better than this, but they forgot to advertise it, so nobody watched it. <laughs> Aren't flukes those things on the end of a whale's tail? They are. <laughs> um, but yeah, the rocket launcher in this episode was actually originally in the script a tank, but that was too expensive a to get. Tank. What? How the hell are really? they going to get a tank in a movie theater? <laughs> I think it was a bit different. I'm sure how that scene played out. Crash Did this whole wall? episode originally air out, uh, take place outside? <laughs> There's it's no like everything was sex. supposed to be outside, and then we decided to put it all indoor. Yeah, they blew their. Uh, they were figured they were going to blow all the budget on the tank, so they were going to film it all outside. <laughs> they should have made a Lego tank. That would have been awesome. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> We end off with a human death count of three, a demon death count of one. It's time, gentlemen, messieurs. Steak rating. So you're our esteemed guest, one stick puppy. So why don't you go first? Tell us what you gave this episode out of five steaks and why. Uh, I'm going to have to go with a five on this one because uh, I like almost everything about it. 
like I say, I don't like Wheelchair Spike, but he's pretty much a non-entity in this. And I don't like the Beast, but she's not in it very much. And <laughs> Referring to Cor- Joyce. Yeah, Cordelia okay. has some funny parts, and she does that cute little nose crinkle thing in the library. But otherwise, everybody in the episode has some really powerful dialogue, does some really good acting, has something traumatic or, you know, just earth-shattering happen to their character. And the bazooka's in it. And it's just, you know, it's pretty much badass nonstop. So I think it's undeniable that this is one of the best episodes in the entire series. I can't say it's definitely the best, but it's it's in the top three, I'd say, top five for sure. So uh, I'm going to have to give it five stakes. Clairvoyant, how about you? See, I'm, I think I'm a bad person. I think you are. I think because you are as well. <laughs> I... I I first off I agree five stakes, but your first I five really, stakes we got to make a big deal about this. This is the I first really time you've given five stakes. I really had to struggle to you know, and I still am not. I haven't completely convinced myself that it deserves five stakes, despite being hands down the best episode that we've seen so far. Despite being Joss Whedon's personal favorite episode and one of the best of the series, one of the most critically acclaimed episodes, but for some reason it almost hurts to give it a five-stake rating. <laughs> and, and like you said, I haven't actually given a five-stake rating yet. So... You disgust me. Why don't you marry <laughs> Joyce and just <laughs> off? <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, as well, I gave this episode five. I think that that's a first universally pan or panned the opposite <laughs> universally acclaimed episode on Weedonverse podcast i gave it a five and i gave another episode of five this season i regret it a little bit shouldn't have been a five maybe a bit higher it was i mean a, lower it was a even <laughs> halloween a five i really liked it but i mean in retrospect maybe not quite a five because it didn't quite meet this level of awesome that this episode has it's got you know the rocket launcher it's got pain everywhere every like oz and willow feels we got buffy angel feels we've got joyce 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 does nothing we've got giles and jenny feels (laughs) just all across the board cupcake feels (laughs) it's all across the board a really powerful episode really well done well directed well written and just you know, I'm glad they didn't use a tank. <laughs> so five stakes for me. Five stakes all across the board, which is the opposite of your first appearance, One Sick Puppy, which was one stake all across the board. No, my first was the pack. I gave it half a stake. <laughs> That's fair. Well, you gave it a sliver of a stake, yeah, a toothpick. Least, yeah, yeah. So although my rating think... does not count, technically my rating does count because the average is five stakes. So... There I am. Damn. <laughs> but, uh, exactly. Either way. First good episode we've got you on. Yeah. I was really, when I started watching this, I was like, holy crap. He he thinks I'm on a different episode. There's no way he actually got me for this one. But I'm not going to tell him because he'll cancel me. <laughs> Let's, uh, fun story for the listeners. One Sick Puppy is booked on another episode this season. No big spoiler there. But... When he asked what episode we were recording this week, I've told him for probably about a month the wrong episode. And I kept reiterating, yeah, it's this one, it's this one. Up until 
yesterday, the day before we recorded this, when I realized I've been telling him the wrong episode this whole time, and I had to quickly last second, I hope it's not too late, this is the right episode, I hope you have time to watch it. Yeah, and I've been I, dreading that too, because I hate that episode. <laughs> I like how you had to reiterate that yesterday was the day before we recorded this. Thank you. <laughs> but no, all around great episode. One, one sick puppy... Speaking of greatness, why don't you tell us a little bit about your podcast? That was such a sweet plug. Tell us a little bit about Dead as Hell. <laughs> yes, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, we're just uh, getting cranked up for some good stuff. I've got somebody uh, coming on to guest review with me. Uh, I think it's going to get really exciting. I've got uh, some, some cool interviews coming up with uh, a couple of horror authors. And uh, I don't know. I don't want to tell you anything because I, you know, it's all top secret. But I got some good stuff coming. So uh, deadashell.com, deadashellhp on Twitter, facebook.com slash deadashellhp. Stay tuned, folks. Yeah, we share the Tangent Bound Network together. Yeah, yeah. I got to get you guys on the show. I, I'm trying to figure out how to do that. But uh, uh, the, it, we need to do something Buffy related on the show and get you guys to come on. That'd be fantastic. Also, you got a new website recently, did you not? I redesigned it, yeah, with the uh, new new WordPress theme that's less less uh, angsty teenager cliche and uh, more user friendly, and and uh, it won't make you want to kill yourself anymore. So <laughs> go check it out. Deadishellhp.com. Well, thank you very very much for coming back on season two. Weedenverse podcast rating five out of five stakes. Join us next episode where we'll discuss Buffy the Vampire Slayer season two. Episode 15, Phases, and Episode 16, Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered, with special guest host Lie Smith from Geekin Podcast. wait until next week in the meantime check out if i were you a comedy advice podcast on jakeandamir.com all programs productions characters music and stories discussed in this non-profit podcast belong to joss whedon and or their respective networks all music clips and discussion used is either original royalty free or released under creative commons designation cc by ncsa for more information, visit creativecommons.org. Thanks for listening.